please tell me you're not doing two things still. Please tell me you're not driving to the store to buy yourself supplements when they could drop them off at your house. And please tell me you're not paying full price. I mean, this in this day and age, that you would take time out to drive to the store and on top of that, pay full price, not necessary. Your boy Six Pack is going to hook you up. Go to FusionMuscle.com. Use promo code KOTL25. Get yourself 25% off all supplements and get them dropped off at your house. They got everything you need, baby. Go to FusionMuscle.com and check it out, whether it's multivitamins, pre-workouts, creatines, what have you. Tell them six sent Alright, Six Pack Lab at this time I got my man Kathy with me and um Excited to be here again. Yeah, this is gonna be a good one. First off, you so you were an obvious choice uh, in terms of co-hosting. Try, I wanted to make it work. My man Ricky Cho, Pug the Goat, is in Seoul, Korea, and that is a fourteen-hour time zone difference. So I knew, like, I wanted you on here because you were here for the Michael C. Um, podcast episode, right? And these dudes are like sporting rivals, and um, we talked about Ricky a lot on that podcast. So it only made sense. Obviously, yeah. let's keep it the same crew. But on the flip side, I wasn't sure, like in terms of availability, my man, man, it's Saturday morning. You had to get up early. I'm an early bird. Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. It's the weekend. It's a long weekend for Canada. So I wasn't sure. I was hoping it'd be you. Um, but before we get into that, so I had posted um, the previous, I post, I, like I always post up on the podcast. Um, and I post like a poster saying, hey, this podcast is up. The last podcast, I had Robbie Little as a co-host. And if you guys are listening and you heard, my man Robbie was fucking had a confession. Um, he had never watched the movie Rocky. Never seen Rocky. My man, that is literally my favorite movie. And uh, he never seen any of the Rockies. I'm a little disappointed right now. I'm hurt. <laughs> okay, that's better. Disappointed. <laughs> Yeah, hurt, probably more appropriate. Yeah. Um, rattled. I, I, I drank heavily that night. I reevaluated our friendship. I'm doing the same right now. This um, is a, a shocker. I had a hard time sleeping that night. Um, it wasn't restful. It wasn't a restful sleep. I woke up the next day. I still wasn't energized. It wasn't you know, refreshed. And that wasn't just all the booze I had to drink. Some drink to remember, some drink to forget. Um, very difficult. We're going to work through it together, though. Um, because he's a good guy. But do you want to do group canceling? Well, he's just misguided. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know what's going to shock treatment therapy. I don't know what it is. Uh, what happened in his life that he wouldn't see the value in seeing an award-winning, iconic movie like that. It's, it's, um, it's sad, right? Because he's gone this far. It, it actually answers a lot of questions about him, why he is the way he is. Uh, you know? Yeah. He's it a, makes so much sense now. He's a little dead inside. Well, <laughs> I guess. I guess. Because it, it says a lot about your life choices. <laughs> right? It says a lot about your life choices. And when you choose not to, and I say that because when you've been alive that long and the movie's been around your whole life and you chose not to view it, despite all the hype around it and everything, and you chose, yeah, you know what, meh, nah, 
I'm going to watch what? What are you watching? What are you doing with yourself? You're not doing that much. You're sleeping. In, he's, he's a kid. He's sleeping until noon, playing video games all night. Just doesn't have the drive. It's, that's what it is. It's a lack of work ethic. You know, expand your mind, young man. Anyways, I don't want to turn this into bashing Robbie, but he's a piece of shit. So, <laughs> so anyways, I posted and um, I put in there an expression on my face like I was fuming. And I, and for the post saying, you know, six pack lab and it goes off in his co-host and I did, and it was rightful. And I'm sure a lot of people think I probably went light, uh, on him cause I should have went heavier. I should have, you know, went in deep. Didn't, you know, was the bigger man about it. He's a piece of shit. So, um, I took that picture and I put caption this and, uh, we got like, there was like, I don't know how many comments within 24 hours. You have over 200 comments. And the, there were some good ones in there. There were some good ones on the caption, this picture of my face. A lot of them talking about your bowel movements. <laughs> yeah, that was a familiar theme. <laughs> but um, the one that got reposted over and over and over is when Paul puts in 699 pounds for Caffey's third attempt deadlift. Um, he is never going to live this down. Poor guy. My man, and it's funny how many people... That's when you know people listening to the podcast, and it's like, Paul's like, God damn it, why do people got to zero in on that story? Man, I texted Paul after, I'm like, I love how I love how Ryan's tagging you in every post, just like, yeah, what a jerk. He's like, man, I can't, what can I do? You went 9 for 9 today, made the world team, went off to the world championships, broke a world record, he's like, let's just put the story to bed. I fucked up. I'm like, nah, nah, that's a good story, though. And uh, yeah, man, he was getting roasted in those comments. It happened. Enough people posted when Paul put six ninety nine for the third attempt instead of seven hundred. That people who hadn't heard that podcast were like, "What the? Sh- this is you were like the seventh guy to post this." Yeah, what is going what on? is this? Random, what is this story? What's this what's inside the story? <laughs> I had to post it and be like, "All right, I gotta tag Paul. Sorry, but I gotta tell the story again." But dude. We had said you would be the first Canadian ever to hit 783s. We were all talking about all prep, and I'm watching on the live stream. And I, you know what? That probably was my face. Paul's just going to be in bed having nightmares of this moment, just seeing 699.9. That <laughs> probably was my face when I was watching this stream, and I see him prepping you, hyping you up, 699.98 instead of 700. I'm like, ah! Paul, I'm texting, look at your phone. I'm yelling at the stream, look at your phone. Change it. They're not, the bar is unloaded. Once they say bar is loaded, you can't change it. They haven't said bar is loaded, and I see it. I'm like, please look at your phone, Paul. I'm I'm nudging him the whole nine. I'm calling. I'm going to call. You're going to feel the vibration in your pocket, Paul. Please look down, Paul. And I'm like, and then they go, bar is loaded. And I'm like, oh, well, well, that's that. Here we go. Let's <laughs> hope you... Yeah, well, that's how that story ends. And you walk out there, smash it, and you think you made history. Because and... everyone remembers I the did first. did make history. Well, apparently... <laughs> story, you know what? This is bigger going. this way. This is honestly bigger this way anyways. It's better. It's better that way. You still became the first Canadian to pull six, se- 700. Six, that's true. And <laughs> on top of that, you broke a world record in doing it. And you're the... Yeah, so whatever. Better story. And people give a shit more now anyways. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so Paul got roasted. I thought that was good. And uh, people are going off on, on some of these podcasts. This shit is blowing up lately. So I'm glad we got our boy Ricky. With no further ado, because I know it's bright and early, man. Let's cut, let's cut the uh, intro short and hop right into our boy on. Pug the Goat. And uh, here we go. Yeah, last time we called, um, we had uh, Emil Norlin on. 
And um, mm-hmm. his Skype popped up, and uh, dude had his shirt off. It was all sweaty. I'm like, what the shit? <laughs> did I catch you on the wrong? Did Did you think yeah. one of your shows? I'm not. I'm not judging how a young man makes his money. But yeah. <laughs> I thought I had oh, to give him my... those views, man. He's trying to get you those views. That's right, and I appreciate that. I thought I had to give my credit card information though. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, young man. Oh man, that's some classic like twenty twelve G for P man. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, you... you kinda sound like Matt Ogus right now, bro. Like who? Matt Ogus? Who's Matt Ogus? Oh, no way. Man, uh, come on, I thought you were one of the OGs. You, uh, Kapu, you know, you know Matt Ogus. Yeah, yeah, I know Matt Ogus. Tell me about I, it. I don't really want to delve deep into that, but there was a, um, like a little G for P situation that happened back, uh, you know, five or six years ago. So. G for P is now, is now like its own acronym? I think you know what that is. I, I, you know I know what that is. <laughs> Dude, yeah, this that, guy is, invented that. Come on. that is the new King of the Lifts t-shirt. Okay? <laughs> no, please, please. G for P. How fucking sick please. would that be? You know what? You make the world team to re- help you raise money. We're going to put some t-shirts out and it's going to be <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, let's go. Okay. Yo, now I have to make the world team. Now you have to make the world team. No shit. Um, and who is Matt Ogleson? Is he a power lifter? He um he is a bodybuilder, but he was kind of one of the OG uh, YouTubers back in the day. Oh no shit! Um, wait. So yeah, he um like Legends of Aesthetics. Do, do you know what that is? No, see, I'm not into bodybuilding or like um I don't follow like on YouTube. I don't follow a lot of bodybuilders and shit. Lane mm-hmm. Norton, but he's a powerlifter. Right now, I'll tell you what though. I feel like most powerlifters now um followed Matt back in the day and. He, uh, he was one of those very strong bodybuilders, mm. uh, kind of like the half natty status. Have you heard of that as well? Yeah. So what is it? What, so half natty, because bodybuilding, yeah. if you're a natural bodybuilder, it just means you don't take as much gear, right? Is that right? Is that fair or no? Uh, I'm pretty sure that's, that's, uh, that's how it goes. Right? Yeah, that's pretty accurate, right? Yeah. <laughs> it just means you're not all in type deal. You're just half in. A hundred percent. I think um, like back in the day, People accused him of taking steroids, and this guy, he's, he's, uh, he's like a genetic freak. Like, back when he was 17, 18, had like a shredded eight-pack, um, probably the most, or one of the most popular YouTubers out there. He, uh, he developed a half-natty uh, quote because, it, it, I'm not sure actually, to be honest. I feel like he made it because he might have been admitting halfway that he was taking something while trying to remain uh, natty in the public eye. Or, or it could be sometimes it's um, when, when people keep saying the same shit, you just take it and own it and be like, fuck it, I'm just going to use it into a hashtag and becomes like, you know, just something you run with. It's like a, I, like a, I like a tag. And you could be like, people can ask you, like, nah, man, I'm totally natty, but fuck it, people keep calling me half natty. And you're like, fuck it, I threw it on a t-shirt and that shit sells, whatever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, he probably was only half natty. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm... And, um, like, like, you got guys like, um, who is it, the Titan, oh, O'Hearn, dude who's like, oh, oh. O'Hearn, <laughs> yeah. listen, listen, yeah, yeah, Mike, my man is 175 years old, jacked to shit, ripped, I, I shit you not, when me and Kathy were at, um, uh, it, like, Evolution Gym, it's like, whatever, shut down now, and um, a kid who worked at the front desk, not Robbie or nothing, the Filipino kid, I forget his name. Anyways, he, he one time asked me, he goes, hey, man, 
do you think this guy's natty? And he showed me O'Hearn. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And he goes, he goes, yeah, he's like 50, but he trains hard. And he's like, oh my and I'm like, my man, my man, my fucking yeah. man. Are you kidding me? No, there, this, this isn't a discussion. I, went, I didn't even want to entertain it. I'm looking at the guy like, you got to be kidding me. Um, but some people believe that this? That's right, God, keep going. Some people believe that shit, though. Some people actually think, like, it's insane. Does he tell people he's natty? He, he claims 100% full. Does he still claim natty? No, he, he does. But the thing is, like, they have an ongoing joke as well about the natty status. And um, in my opinion, he's probably doing it for the public face. Yeah. But um, for those of us that, you know, have been lifting for quite some time and know that that's clearly impossible. Uh, you know, or possible, don't want to get sued here. But um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good way. It's a good way to get the uh, the people that have been in the lifting game for a long time uh, on your side because you're making it a joke. Yeah. Uh, as well as the beginner lifters who might not know it's a joke. And, you know, having both sides of the uh, stick is a good way to kind of boost up your publicity, I think. Yeah, but it's absolutely insane that some people would think that that shit would be at like 50 years old. It's crazy. It's crazy. To yeah. how, um, it's like eye-opening to me how like naive sometimes the general public is where they can, mm-hmm. where they could possibly think that maybe that isn't. And it's crazy that some people think other people are definitely not natty. When what like like look at their genetic freaks. If you look at um the early 19th century. There are like guys like um, I don't know if you know like uh, George Hackenschmidt and, and sh- these guys like world champion Greco-Roman wrestlers. But they, all, they also did weightlifting and shit. Early mm-hmm. 18th century, and they they showed them in pictures. Absolutely fucking jack chiseled. These guys like I mean I mean they didn't have like TVs, telephones, they didn't have shit, and they were like mm-hmm. beyond jacked and ripped. Actually, you know what? I think Bryce Lewis was it. Bryce Lewis. He did a picture. He did like a snapshot. Of uh, famous athletes from the early 19th century, most of them were like wrestlers because there's no like powerlifting, right? And and weightlifting, right. weightlifting itself wasn't super organized, but wrestling, like wrestlers lift weights like a motherfucker. So a lot of times, the strongest people in the world were like were wrestlers, and they like would mm-hmm. compare their deadlifts and shit, but it's like training numbers. But for them, they got competitive, being like, I could deadlift this much, and I wrestle. So they he showed picture of them. Some of them were like crazy jack, crazy ripped, and if they're around right now, they look like a wrestler or he. 100%. Some of these dudes like more ripped than Russell. Some of these dudes like right. more jacked than Russell. They didn't have, dude, they probably didn't know shit about eating properly, let alone, mm-hmm. um, and, um, like George Hockenschmidt, for instance, put out an autobiography from like 1904. I fucking read that shit, you know, just because it was like interesting and shit. And, uh, he would talk uh, about his diet. Dude, the, the man was old school. But, um, so I'm like, uh, I get, like, I got, I think I got a good barometer of like, no, a guy like Russell could, it, it, yeah, out of 7 billion people, Russell could walk around and be natty, and people don't realize, we got freaks. Russell's a freak. Mm. Russell's a freak. O'Hearn's full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. you, better, you better hope he doesn't watch your show, man. <laughs> His 147-year-old ass, I kick him in the knee and he falls apart. Oh, Come oh, on, man. Oh, Come on. Uh, let's, let's, let's make this happen, man. Let's Yo, go boxing match right now. Complains, then all of you will come watch this. <laughs> yeah, that's it. No, he's he's he meant in in all. Even if he did here, he would be like, man, whatever. I am. He knows. What's he, he like? Come on, how can he even fake that? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, he, he he trolls around. He he's definitely uh, a fan of like trolling. So I think that's yeah. it's yeah. good on his part. Um, but um, 
in terms of that YouTube, but, did, you, did you, is that how you got into like weightlifting and, and shit? Like, did you like watching the YouTube videos of these guys? A hundred percent. That's, um, that's like, those are the OGs, like Omar, Matt, all those guys. I feel like a lot of people my age right now, 23, that's probably how most people got into powerlifting is watching these guys on YouTube, right? Mm. And, and who were the guys, like, Omar was it? Was, but see, mm-hmm. some of those dudes, he never, he competed in powerlifting, but he wasn't, like, powerlifter, powerlifter. Was there, like, how did you get into, like, powerlifting? Because some of those guys are more bodybuilding style, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually not entirely sure what got me into powerlifting. I think um, it was one of those things where I kind of want to be the strongest guy in the gym, right? You're just pulling cat back deadlifts in the, in the gym, trying to, trying to impress everyone else. And then at a certain point, I'm like, there has to be a contest for this. There has to be a competition. Yeah. So I ended up searching around, looking looking at federations. Found um, 100% raw, if you've heard of that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, so I'm, an, uh, I'm an OG, my man. I was powerlifting before the IPF was raw at all. There's only equipped. And, um, and mm-hmm. I never could get with the equipped. Like, it's just not my thing. You could tell king of lifts. People are always hitting me up. be like, how come you never show equipped lifting? You know, and I'm like, ah. like, I do here and there, but not as much. It's not just not my thing. So when I started, like, in 2007, I was, like, man, you, I was doing shit, like, 100% raw and do whatever feds were, like, offered a raw lifting. No, 100%. I, actually, my um, my second federation was USPA, and then for the next four to five years, I stuck in that federation. Oh, no shit. I stuck to USAPL. No, absolutely. This was actually my first year in the USAPL. And so you had been um, on the outside. So how long how long have you been powerlifting then? Because you're starting to rack up years already. Oh, very long time, maybe six to seven years. But um, that being said, I feel like I've only become serious with it within the last year or two. Um, being that once I found the USAPL and found out all these guys are just as strong trying to get into this position that I want to be in, um, I started putting a lot more time and effort into it, started programming, tracking my macros and all these things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just started skyrocketing from there. Do you do your own programming? I do, actually. Although... For this upcoming Raw Nationals, Joe is going to be coaching and programming for me. Oh, man, yeah, Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, yeah, you're extremely. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's been on the show a bunch of times. Done like now, it's starting to become a regular thing for like the past few years. If I do commentary, mm-hmm. and he's around. We jump in the booth together and, and belt out mm-hmm. some commentary. Um, so, like growing up, were you into like what kind of sports were you into growing up then? Uh, I played hockey, and then for the majority of my high school career, I um. I rode. I was on crew. You what, sorry? I was on crew. It's uh, it's rowing. Oh, oh row! Got you. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. What did you guys I think I, I said? Rode, I thought like I biking. thought you said row too, but I didn't think biking. Because <laughs> like you listen, made listen. the motion of rowing, but you said rowing. No, when you said I rode, oh my bad. You, so when you said it's gonna sound fucking crazy, but bear with me. Uh-huh. When you said I rode outside crew, I thought. This guy's a fucking biker. <laughs> I was not, I was, oh because, man! Because yeah, I know. Like outside crew like, sounds like some aces. <laughs> were like, oh my god! Like this guy bikes. So we shouldn't have had him on here. I, I go, Calf, We we gotta start vetting these guys, man. He just he's throwing up gang signs because outside crew sounds like some outsiders crew shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what high school you came up in, but that's some that's some tough shit, man. You guys are yeah, absolutely no shit. So, but rowing. Uh, did you do weightlifting? Did you do ro- weightlifting for rowing, or what kind of training? Would we be for that? did, but it's um, if anything, it's just your classic football training. It's half squats. Uh, 
Yeah. Like no deadlifts. Right. It, it's man, like if I could go back there right now and start my training from that point on, I would just drop around a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, right. If if I if I knew that powerlifting was gonna be as big as it is now, I'd probably have become just as serious when I was sixteen um as I am now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, one hundred percent I know exactly what you mean. Um so like I don't know if you were familiar, you probably heard, like Robert Oberst had said, and you, you just kind of touched on it, classic like mm-hmm. football training, high squats, no deadlifts. And he had said, he talked about how like you go to any, did you hear the quote? How you go to I, any, I actually did, yeah. So what did you think about that? Because for myself, and we were like, what the shit? Now, we're in, we're in Canada. There's mm-hmm. football, there's football obviously in Canada, and we're into football, but um, hockey's bigger. And we do, I'll do strength training for like hockey players and they deadlift and they like, you know, there's, I know tons of athletes that deadlift, um, especially I'm super into like, I love like MMA, whatever. And those guys, obviously, if you're coming from a wrestling background, I'd already touched you up on, you're smashing deads and doing, you're basically training in the gym, like a fucking power lifter anyways. So I'm used to athletes hitting deadlifts and we know, um, you know, like it's not a deadlift is more likely to injure yourself than like a bench or squat you can it's all around the same like you can injure yourself on the bench injure yourself on the squat in terms of stats powerlifting is actually a pretty relatively safe sport lay norton belted off the stats but i'd seen it before where like all the sports where you're not in a linear movement you're far more likely to get hurt so when you heard those when i heard those comments i was like man with the shit if anyone's ever seen um these 400 pounds strongman dead they have like almost like a sumo stance, but their arms are on the outside of their legs, and they're like it's awkward as shit because they're four hundred pounds. So and the weight, the weight they're moving is ungodly. So it's like um, I could see where they could be like, man, this is dangerous. But for guys, when I see mm-hmm. when I see Caffey who broke an IPF Open World Record on the deads, dead, and he's pulling conventional, looks nothing like these guys set up. When I see you. Who man, you like Caffrey was just saying before we hopped on here, my man pulled seven hundred as a as a seventy four kilo junior. When I see guys like you who are like deadlift freaks, your your setups and everything, it's nothing the same. If you guys mm-hmm. dead like that, so what was your take on that? Like when you heard that? In misconception. First things first, um, in strongman, you are not allowed to sumo deadlift, correct? Correct. Yeah. So I think that when it comes to these uh, you know, four hundred pound guys trying to deadlift they seem like they're trying to imitate as much of the sumo deadlift as possible while staying in the realm of having their hands outside of their legs. And when it comes to, uh, I'm not, I actually heard that quote from watching the, uh, the CA interview because, you know, I had to watch that one, right? Um, it just seemed like, I don't want to give my opinion, like a hard opinion on it, but I, I agree that conventional deadlifts might not be the best option for athletes, although, um, you know, if you're really training for a sport that isn't specifically powerlifting, uh, incorporating low RPE conventional deadlifts, no problem. You, that should act, absolutely be the case. I think it's a better option to incorporate sumo. Uh, it's definitely a lot more leg dominant, but um, well, my man's full yeah, team sumo, and, full team sumo. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely, 100% team sumo. Uh, it's just. The way that these coaches are teaching kids nowadays when it comes to the conventional deadlift, I can see why he has that mindset. It's not like they're learning from a, a powerlifting coach. Yeah. Um, they don't have any friends that uh, deadlift well, so they can't really imitate uh, that kind of form. So yeah. it's understandable. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I, that's I, that point you often see when you see like the videos on YouTube of like those athletes in the gym. You're cringing at their form. It's so terrible. for someone doing like a one rep max on a dead with bad form, then you probably shouldn't. <laughs> but what comes down to load management and proper form at the end of the day. If you're doing that it, correctly, it's not going to be a greater issue injury. And that would be like every single lift. Yeah. Like, like every single lift should be, if you don't got good technique and you're going to hurt yourself. A lot of these guys, not just those, those big dudes, but um, a lot of people end up looking like they're trying to basically sit down in a, like, like, like it's the bottom of a squat and squat it up. Like it looks like, right. it looks like dude, you, you can't squat a fucking deadlift. So yeah, I think 100% the deadlift, here's what he should have said. Here's what I would have wished he said. There's nothing wrong with the deadlift, but people don't know how to deadlift. Straight up, if you're going to do cleans and jerks and Olympic movements, those, you can hurt yourself with those for sure. And those are far more technical than the deadlift, in my opinion. I mean, I can try the fucking Olympic lifts, and it is so hard to wrap my head around. But, um, yeah, th- th- that would be my two cents. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, think about it this way. How many high school coaches are your average coach, like your dads, that just want to coach the baseball team? Right, that I would, I would go as far to say it's probably seventy five percent of high schools. Yeah, yeah, I remember in high school, so, one of my one of my coaches had me squatting on the Smith. What is it, the oh, Smith good love. <laughs> that was my first squat, squatting the Smith machine in like grade nine. Oh Jesus! <laughs> oh, I, I can relate to that, man. Absolutely, even crew, even in crew. Yeah, you got, when you, when you guys like put the bikes away and started. Yeah, no, we actually we did wads. It was, uh, oh, it was they were the worst wads of all time. Like they. Like we had access to the weight room, but if anything, the majority of our workouts were just doing ridiculous like bodyweight exercises that I, I feel like would have no application building muscle for these coaches. <laughs> it's just yeah. the best thing, your mental fortitude, some of that stuff. Coach saw something fun on the internet, try this. Here we do. <laughs> well, you know what? It's true though. A lot of people, um, like whoever developed that training for you guys, it's it's often the same time. Like if you're your 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 dad who's a coach at the high school, kind of like you were saying, you're like, fuck, I seen this online. I think I got a handle of it. Let's try this, fellas. And he doesn't know, no. Um, although, because of the internet, and some people are getting more spavy, listening to shows or following certain people, like you got asked to come into a high school. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I've been asked to come in. Like people, that's why I started working with the hockey people. Like the guy who's running it was like, we're going to start doing some deadlifting or whatever. And some lip, mm-hmm. some some power lift, and he's like, I don't know shit. Like the guy was swabbing, like like humble enough to be like, I'm a hockey guy, but I when we're getting in more land training, they call it. He's like, I don't know my shit like that. So he went out and grabbed a fucking power lifter to teach how to power lift. Good, do that. Like that, you know, you're safe. And if you can do that, the deadlift is such a beautiful movement because in terms of like hitting that nervous system and and all that muscle recruitment and like the power lifter knows. Per, like how to train it and how to not like overtrain, etc. RP, teaching mm-hmm. RPEs. These fellas didn't even know RPEs in terms of like, I'm like, what do you guys do to manage your, your fatigue for your hockey and actual like hockey training? And they're like, you know, you just show heart. You just fucking gut it out. I'm like, oh my God. Like, like, like my man, you, you, in terms of cardio, it's funny. You're saying like biking RPE actually came from endurance um, cyclists. And they started doing it in terms to increase how, like, their times. And this is endurance. Mm-hmm. They started, this is in the 70s, man. They started doing off of their heartbeats and, and, and doing rate of effort off a heartbeat. And then from that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, and then the times for that team, and I forget what team it was, 
just destroyed the numbers. And everyone's like, how the fuck did you guys make these improvements? Um, and then it came out. We no longer have, here's your program, 20 kilometers today, 30 the next day. No, no, those are hard numbers. It'd be like telling a weightlifter, you're 74 kilo. I want you to deadlift this. I want you to deadlift. Those are hard numbers, not taking into effect all the other variables that impact you. So instead, they're like, here's what I want. Give me this range of motion, like this uh, amount of time on the bike with this kind of heartbeat. Stay in that pocket. I'm judging that to be based off your baseline, 80%. And they start using percentages based off of rate of effort. That's a 100% RPE. As soon as like uh, distance runners found that, they used it. And distance runners like, hey, fuck, it works for when you're on foot too. And then shorter like distances like sprinters were like, hey, let me try that. Then sprinters started using it. Then Olympic weightlifters. And then you see where like eventually the shit by like the 2000s made its way to powerlifting. And we're, and we're here. Yeah, finally, right? <laughs> yeah. It only took 30 years, man. Only 30 years. That's how fast we run, man. <laughs> That's it. This is why we're like social media, thank God. Cause you know how much quicker shit is, man. Without social media, like we be in the Stone Ages. Like seriously, man. Like, uh, mm-hmm. like guys like you. That's where people are like. How do guys like you come out of nowhere smashing seven hundred pounds? I mean, mm-hmm. you are basically the accumulation of thirty years of knowledge, and you know, and you and you can walk in there like that. But, <laughs> yeah, it's only gonna go up from here, man. Like every single year from this point on, I feel like. Uh, exponentially, we're going to start seeing uh, people that would have gone into other fields just yeah. start coming to powerlifting just because they see it on Instagram, see the um, the popularity uh, rising for this sport. So if they see potential in this sport as you know a future uh, main, quote unquote mainstream sport, then yeah. you're going to see a lot more monsters like Russell. Yeah. Um, the only guy I can think about at the moment, but Russell really yeah. Taylor Atwood. I mean, even though he's kind of an OG, Taylor is probably. One guy that we should have seen 10 years from now, but we're seeing it now. Yeah. No, he, he, yeah, I mean, 100%. The more that people find it and be like, oh, shit, you can, <clears throat> Russell's got like quarter of a million followers on, on Instagram. He's got like probably mm-hmm. around the same issue on YouTube. Like, that's a decent following. You can make money doing this. Who are, who are the people mm-hmm. who first got into it when you first discovered powerlifting? Was there certain lifters that you found and you started following and kind of became your guys to go to and get some, inf- like, motivation off of? Go-to lifters. That's a hard one, man. I, uh, the first few would probably be Sean Noriega, just because when you first see his bench press, uh, I feel like that's where most people see that thumbnail. They're like, man, what is this exorcist yeah. <laughs> Who is this guy? Yeah. And what the fuck is this sport? Like, this sport is just... It, it has to be some type of bullshit sport, right? Yeah. Um, so you see, you see guys like that first, and thank God he's uh, he's a knowledgeable person because, um, you know, if we had to have someone represent powerlifting, you have to kind of know yourself. Yeah. And he, I think this this is the Kiss My Arch days, huh? Is yeah, it? no, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Or wait, yeah, yeah, Kiss My Arch, because now he's hamstring pappy? Or is this the other way around? Fucking fucking... What is he, he, he probably went back and forth a few times. Yeah, okay. Thank you. you just let me off the hook. See how that works, man? <laughs> yeah. I, li- I like my man's there. But yeah, um, yeah, like I, everybody's got somebody. And did you have somebody in like in real life that like took you on their ring? When you started doing powerlifting, how did you start getting coaching? No one. Just YouTube. If you've seen any of my videos from six to seven years ago, probably – Ooh, the amount of roast that I would get on Instagram right now if I posted those videos um, saying that I, I did it like, you know, yesterday, it, it would be ridiculous. But back 
back then it was, it was normal. You see that all the time. Uh, obviously less frequently now, but just YouTube, man. That's, that's how you got to do it. Omari stuff. And, and you, like, when you say your videos, like, you get roasted just because technically you're just figuring shit out and we're like, it, it, you just didn't know no better? No, exactly. Like, hitches, just curling your back, doing the worst touch-and-go, butt-up, bench presses, <laughs> squatting, quarter squat gang style, all these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. The culmination of it all. Yeah. Oh, if I look back to my video six years ago, I cringe too. I think that's normal for a lot of lifters. Oh, I, <laughs> I know, I know. I just, I don't know. We've, we've come so far, man. Like, all of us, honestly. I'm sure you, like, no offense, I'm sure you had pretty crap form like 10 years ago, right? <laughs> those, those files are. Oh, you, you can't say you're perfect. You're perfect guy. <laughs> <laughs> I go, I go, I go. I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. I, I, <laughs> I hit the ground running and it was beautiful. It was, uh, um, I was born with a barbell in my hands. Uh, barbell in my hands. Um, so how did you make those adjustments? Were you just like analyzing your own videos and like you heard, you seen a video on, let's talk about bar path. And then all of a sudden you're like, mm-hmm. oh shit, I should look at my bar path and just like piece by piece. Or were there some OGs around in the game that like helped you out? Like uh, weren't necessarily coaches, but more mentors. Because when I started, I didn't have a coach, but I had a mentor. Mm-hmm. Did, was there anyone like that around, or were you totally a, a lone wolf who had to figure it out uh, piece by piece? 100% solo. And like I said, if I did go back six years ago with the knowledge that I have now, I feel like I could have achieved what I have now, you know, by the time that I was 19, you know, one or two years. Um, as, as cocky as that sounds, but, um, you know, back then, I feel like I did the most inefficient movements, didn't program correctly, did all these crazy things. Um, if I did have to have a mentor, I'd probably just say my friends that, you know, uh, we just bounced ideas off of each other. Um, just look behind the science of programming and try to work on that and see what's the best method. At a certain point, we did small lot for all three, all three lift squat bench and deadlift. And, oh, <laughs> and obviously time. that didn't pan out well, but, at the same um, time, you know, it's bad. Did you like do it all like at the same time, like all that kind of volume for all three lifts in the same block? Yeah, yeah, I did Smolov Jr. for squat bench and deadlift, and then I went to my first powerlifting meet, uh, 100% raw. Oh, man. Oh, shit. And what happened? Yeah. It didn't go good. <laughs> <laughs> it, went, it, went, it went terribly, man. I mean, I don't know what you expect me to say. It was probably the worst meet I've had in all time. <laughs> oh, shit. And, but I'll tell you what, though. It was 2014. I still won. I still won my class because it was 2014, man. I probably had like 1,100 total, and I blew everyone out of the water. So. <laughs> and that's a, the thing is, though, like – I think that's almost everybody because you're only 23. I mean, shit, you got so much ahead of you. But almost everybody you talk to, you like it, it's just common in life. You're going to regret the shit that you didn't do as opposed to the shit you did. Like at least you got mm-hmm. the ball rolling. At least you started getting the ball rolling, jo- like competing, investigating. But you're always going to be like, fuck, I wish I knew this before because I would have been murdering it or I would have like sped up my process. But like um, almost everybody, it's very rare somebody like right off the bat, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to find somebody. I'm going to find a coach or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you just, it's tough. Like what made you decide that you're going to go with Joe Stanek after so many years in the game and already achieving everything you did? It, honestly, it was me talking to him at IPF Worlds. He, I think he and I have a lot of the same philosophies when it comes to training. And it seems like he's very open to listening to what I want in my training routine. And, um, you know, at, at a certain point, you just have to put your trust in someone else. If you think that they're, um, they, they have a better background, that they're more intelligent enough 
to be able to guide you in the right direction. The thing that's rough about the situation right now is that since uh, since I haven't had Joe for you know a long period of time, the next eight weeks or the next eight to ten weeks leading into Raw Nationals will unfortunately have to be experimental. But at the same time, very important, we're going to have to make this work. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But I do have a call from tomorrow, so hopefully that that turns out good. It, I know what you mean where like when you don't know, um, like when you're the coach, you're just like. You're, you're trying to develop the baseline, what works, what doesn't, and shit. When you don't know no better, you're like, fuck, man, I, I'm just trying to collect data, and you can't even have us full-on personalized um, program yet. However, like, did you like show him some of the previous stuff you did so he has an idea? Because it's not like you're raw goods. You're world-class mm-hmm. already. You know, so at least he knows, okay, this is working. You know, we have some things we want to work on. You could talk about it, but it won't be like complete raw goods. But there's nothing mm-hmm. like working together with a guy for a while to develop that. Like, does he know all your other – did you hand over your other training logs? Or are you like, nah, I'm going to keep that? <laughs> I, I actually um, – I think he knows the vast majority of what I incorporate into my training. Uh, I would go as far to say a lot of my training is a little bit unconventional. I have um, fatigue singles as well as conservative singles that I incorporate almost every week. Um, I probably delve into the 90 to 95% area. Uh, a couple times a month, at the very least. Mm. And uh, most people wouldn't do that, but I think Joe understands the reason why I incorporate, incorporate that in there, as well as you know my incredibly high bench frequency. Uh, prepping into IPF Worlds, I benched about seven times a week. Holy seven shit! Seven times! Wow! Holy yeah. damn! Wow! And, and I, uh, at a certain point, I only went six days a week, so I would do two times a day bench. Oh, Fuck shit. me. Here's the thing. Yeah. Well, but when you have, it depends on the benching style because I remember like Sean Norega throwing it back to him. Mm-hmm. He had talked about how, um, because his arch is so pronounced and the range of motion mm-hmm. is diminished like that for him to get the bar to move enough distance and obviously moving the distance, you, you're, you have to generate force to move over that distance hits the nervous system. So for his nervous system to be impacted enough, he's like, I got to bench like his one rep isn't going to be enough distance he feels. So if he benches the frequency and ups it, he's, he's moving more distance. So his distance over the course of that week, if he benches five times a week, would be the same as a guy with who benched only three times that week, but has far less an arch. The distance covered will be closer that way. And these are factors that, like, you know, you, you only know through trial and error and working it. Like, if you get in there and you have a very pronounced arch and um, and the distance isn't like is, is mitigated greatly. You might be like, I want it in my hands longer. My triple, I'm not covering a shitload of distance here. So you start like, you know, okay, I need to up my frequency. I want to do triples. I don't want to do nothing but volume. I just got to come in more often. You know, there's different mm-hmm. factors that you only know when you work with yourself and, and what works gets the most of. So it's not as crazy. But if other people listen to this and they don't have your setup, they don't have Sean Norrigan's setup, and they fucking be like, Fucking Ricky, Ricky hits this, Sean hits that, I gotta bench seven days a week, and they're like flat backed, whatever. It's like my man, you will not survive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah. It's that's where that, you that actually goes for almost everything, uh, whether whether it's a squat bench or deadlift. The more efficient you are in a movement, the less of stimulus that you'll be getting, regardless of how many reps you do. Um so for someone like me that has a fairly pronounced arch, uh Michael, even uh Sean Noriega, um our 10 reps will be, you know, 25% of the stimulus that 
uh, someone that has a larger range of motion like Russ Wool would mm. if he did 10 reps at the same exact weight, uh, considering that our training max are the exact same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one of, yeah, exactly that. Because Russell, I mean, he's jacked as shit. It'd be really tough for him. To, I love how you call him Russ Wool, by the way. I do the same thing. I, I, yeah. You got to give the men respect, It's disrespectful to call him by his first name unless you're his mama or his dad. That's disrespectful. No disrespect to men. But, um, but uh, yeah, no, I know what you mean. And, and that's where, like, some people just follow. And um, it's, so social media is good and bad. Mm-hmm. Some people want to do exactly what the people they look up to do, and it's not going to work like that. Although, Russell, he, I think, how much of it do you think for Russell's, like, popularity is because my man pulls conventional? My man's relatively flat back on bench, like compared to like other power lifters. Like he checks all the boxes for what social media people want to see and don't want to see. You know what I mean? Like, like he's not yeah. like like what people will watch him bench and be like, "That's a good bench," because he doesn't have a massive arch. He can't get in that arch. He'd do it if he could. It's not like he's no, I don't do an arch because I don't want to. It's just you know the guy's jacked the shit and it'd probably be impossible for him for to get in certain range of motions or whatever. But that like helps in terms of build up that social media following. It's that's the one thing that's tough when it comes to social media. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think that because he has a flat back when he bench presses, it helps his popularity. Um, like I said, Sean Noriega, I think a lot of his popularity is because he's on the extreme side of arching. Well, right, so whether you're on the lowest extreme, like having yeah. a ex- very flat back as opposed to having a Sean Noriega arch. Put it, this way. Put it this way. There's a difference with the size of people that like a massive arch and that don't, though. The difference is 60,000 and a quarter of a million. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if yeah, I yeah. Show, there you if go. I was going to throw a number. But I know what you mean. Like, as a power lifter... Like yeah, you could you could totally respect that that arch and the setup and know everything that goes into it, but um, but anyways, like fucking you know the mainstream man, they're just they they can't fully appreciate what they're watching anyways. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, honestly, I think more of his popularity is attributed to how Jack he is for one, right? And two, it's positive vibes. He's like probably the most positive powerlifter that's uh you know within the top ten ranking of all weight classes, right? Yeah. No, one hundred percent. A, he, yeah, he looks like a fucking bodybuilder. The guy's jacked to shit. Um, also, it's true, man. I uh, like on the show. We have a preview show, and and like I'm picking winners, and I pick them to take silver and lose to Brett. No fucks given. You know, like he don't give a shit. He's like ah, whatever. And then his one of his um, supplement companies actually took audio clips of um. Of me picking him for silver, and then took no way yes, like from the podcast, and then they took audio clips of me commentating the IPF worlds, mashed it all together. So they showed um, him training and like like a Rocky style smashing weights. Me going, I don't think Russell's got it this year. It's gonna be Brad. Oh, no, no, it that's training. a classic. Right it there. showed him training in the gym, smashing weights with that in the background. Like, ooh, ooh. And then it showed him on the platform being, oh, Russell with another squat. Oh, Russell. And that's it. He's done it. He's won gold. And they put it all together. It was a really good. It was good. They just made you eat your words. They made me eat my They threw, <laughs> it, all, oh, they threw it all in my face. But it wasn't like, um, it wasn't done like a diss. It's more like, it's really well done. So I see it's like, oh, shit. I actually reposted on King and it's like, hey, whatever. You put yourself okay. out there. To, oh. You put yourself out there to take pics. That's what happens. It's the, it's the yin and the yang of it. But um, 
And I remember telling, messaging Russell, I'm like, oh, damn, man, you made me, you made me, I was there, he's like, ah, whatever, it's all love, I mean, you know, you gotta make a pick, it's a tough call, he couldn't, it's all good, he doesn't, they're, like, but some people, like, actually might catch some feelings, if you, uh, you know, like, if you pick against them or whatever, so, yeah, mm-hmm. Russell is super, uber, uber like, positive, um, whether he's competing against you or, or whatever, he doesn't take nothing to heart. And, and if someone says shit about him, he doesn't fire back even. He's like, I'm above that. He, he's like that mm-hmm. dude, which I think helps. But, um, I mean, but as we know, my man, I'm not above a little bit of hype job trash talking as well. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> we can't all oh, be yeah. Russell Orhees, can we? We can't all be Russell Orhees. Let me ask you. So let me ask you. Um, when you when did you start? Because you, you started rallying up some hype leading into the IPF Worlds in 20, 2019. And, um, yeah. and sometimes you got to like, and, and again, it's like, a, it wasn't like personal shit. It's like sporting rivalry. It's typical sporting rivalry. Yeah, 100%. And, and, yeah, and, you know. and um, even Michael said like, yeah, it was sporting rivalry. It wasn't like, uh, it's all good. But um, when did you decide, like in the USPA or when did you decide, you know what? I think I'm going to start rustling some feathers here, start throwing some shit out there just for fun, because it, it is fun. Dude, your post with the with the owl was fucking hilarious. The picture, the way the way you were petting it and the look on your right. face was gold. And the way you did, like, let me talk about the owl today. For anyone listening, you're mm-hmm. like, the owl is a beautiful species. It hunts smaller mammals and blah, blah, blah. He goes, I identify with the owl when I hit the platform because you're a big 74, right? And, like, the way you did it, it's funny, though. It's actually... It's not like, um, you suck, I'm going to beat you. Like, that's, whatever, that does nothing for me. You're actually, like, it's just, it's, it's entertainment is what it is. And then even Michael C. be like, yeah, that's some good shit. Like, you know, he gets in on it. Were you always this dude and just decided, like, eventually, you know what, I'm holding this back. This is shit I would say to my friends. Let me put it out there. Or, were, or did you at one point um, be like, you just developed into this guy as a confidence group? When did all this start? See, it's not, it's not really a confidence thing. It's more so my way of trying to motivate myself, right? So the, the thing that's, that I struggle trying to trash talk and find a medium between it, like a good medium where people don't hate me, um, I feel like when I post something, for example, that Al photo, people don't understand that it's 75% a joke, right? Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm not really serious. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm like friends with all these guys. We're all homies. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I did make the post, and I said it's 75% a joke, but 25%, it's real. Yeah, like, come on, like, you know, you know I'm coming for your neck. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And it just makes it that much more interesting, man. I think if, if competitors are friends in the public eye, it's so boring. I can't, I can't stand that. It's probably one of the worst things to watch. So I want to make sure that, you know, going into something, um, people know that, this is the rival, this is my rival, this is who I'm going to beat, this is the person I'm going to embarrass on the platform, something along those lines, and they're going to get more hyped up, it's going to bring more publicity to the sport, and it's going to motivate me, and hopefully the other person as well, right, whether it's through anger or just motivation in general. And were you always, like, was that always you? Like, is that your, um, in terms of you, is that your humor? You're always that funny guy. You're always kind of like amongst your boys. You, you shit talk a little bit. But it's one of those deals where you say with a smile on your face and a wink and your boy knows, ah, it's funny, all right. Or did you like develop this over time? 
now that you're in your 20s, you're more outwardly, you're more like, you know, it's, it's just easier, more natural. Mm-hmm. No, I've always been like that. Even back in my local meet days, I used to call out all my friends. I've, I've had haters since, you know, since like I didn't have any followers, right? I, I would make a post about a certain group of individuals. And I think at one point, like a, a few people that were also going to that meet said, Calm down. It's just a local me. Like, chill out. It's things along the lines, right? And I'm thinking, like, like, first of all, these are my friends, right? Second of all, I can say what I want. Like, just, yeah. just let it be, man. Like, yeah. I, I'm stronger than you, so it's chill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is, um, yeah, people don't know the background either. If, if you're, like, friends with them and shit, and it's, like, mm-hmm. inside stuff, then it is what it is. But it is, like, yeah. I know what you mean where, um, like, here's the thing. If it comes off natural and it's, and it's just the way you are, it's far easier. When someone tries to force it and be like, I want to be like Conor McGregor, I need to get something going and try to get some more attention. So they force some stuff and it comes off clunky. It comes off untidy and it, it doesn't work. Whereas, like, you can't, you know, that was natural for you to make that post and it was actually fun, like... It was oh, funny. I it was funny. I tried. It's funny and creative and well done. Some people can't do that, and so, but they want to get some heat that you got going. I need to identify mm-hmm. a. I need to identify a rival. I need to shake some things up. I need to get some people talking. So they like try to force it, and it's if it's mm-hmm. not them, the trash talk. Here's what I find: if you don't have the creativity, the trash talk very quickly. Um, Unravels into just some personal lowbrow, fuck your mother shit. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? no, really, 100%, you know exactly what you're talking about. And not only that, but I feel like even if it's not great trash talk, if you're strong enough and you're actually known to be, you know, neck and neck with this guy, it, it's fine, right? But a lot of the times, if you're quite far from this one person that you're kind of calling out, it just seems like you're cloud chasing. Yo, yeah, oh, hell yeah. Right? You're doing it. Yeah, dude, Russell talked about it, how he's like, my man, you're ranked 15th, though. Like, like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but my man, you're 15th. Like, I'm I'm not looking over my shoulder at you right now. Good luck, maybe in a few years. But yeah, exactly. It's like, no, no, if you actually are a rival. If, if the rest of the world respects you as a rival to this individual, you could start raising the game. You and, and Michael going into the IPF Worlds, I remember, actually, it was Joe Stanick. When he came in, uh, he had messaged me, and he's like, I'd love to do some commentary. And I was like, you know, let me talk to the producer. And, you know, we worked it out because he had done a bunch. And he was, I, we kind of said, all right, it's fairly open for the juniors. He's only there for juniors. I was like, what weight class? He goes, oh, it's got to be 74. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, oh. And then he told me all the background and got into it, and he's like, the 74-kilo junior is going to be phenomenal. And it was. You guys were exchanging world records and the whole nine. And, um, and it lived up. It doesn't always live up. That lived up. And um, if you're not that, though, if it's not going to be a battle, if it's not there, it's tough. You know, if you're, like, ranked fifth and you're not going to podium, you can't really take shots at Taylor Atwood. You know what I mean? If you're not even going right. to podium, it's like, all right, like, kind of, but kind of not. So you, it, it's... It's a mixture, and some people want to, it's more cloud chasing, just want to get in the mix, or maybe they genuinely want to make things exciting, but they just don't, it's, it's a perfect storm where you have the ability, and then you got the charismatic personality, and you can start, and, and you're like creative, and you can pull that shit off. 
going into the going into, at, at the U.S. Raw Nationals. Let's back this up for people who don't know, because we're talking about this rivalry a little bit, and we're kind of skipping some of the storytelling. So, A, um, dude, I've seen some pictures with you and Michael side by side. You're a big 74-kilo dude. That background, hey, that warm-up photo with you and him looked like you were an 83. How big are you? I'm hearing 250. Is that real? <laughs> <laughs> Is that real? Yeah, yeah. You're actually pretty close. Man, but, um I think a lot of the misconception about how big I am is really based on my height. I'm not even that tall of a guy, but if you see even the 83 guys, Russ Wool, Sean Noriega, I believe they're 5'7", and almost every single 74 kg with it is probably under 5'7", right? Uh, you know, I think Michael's like maybe 5'8", but um, I'm 5'9", so I probably walk around 176 pounds. And this is another thing that you guys talked about in the... Um, in your last interview with Michael, um, I was yeah, I was 185 pounds. Okay, okay. Right okay. before, yeah, right before um, my weigh-in, but that's with a full belly of food, sodium loading, a lot of water loading, and a shit ton of stress hormones. So, so, but it was, but you were legit what 185? Because I was telling Michael, and I swear to God, if I like, I, in terms of mental, when you were big, mm-hmm. when you were big, dude, it's a strength sport. And there's a reason why there's weight classes. If I see a dude in the warm-up room, like, how the fuck is this guy 74? That's got to be mental as well. Like, it's not the worst thing in the world to be, let people think that you're like 20 pounds bigger than everybody and you make weight anyways. It's like, how? Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, it's just some, my body easily releases and gains water. What can I tell you? It's just the way it goes. Like, that's not the worst thing in the world for people to walk around with. You know, so I was like, is he really 20 pounds heavier or did he actually cut down? But you legitimately mm-hmm. 20 pounds heavier. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of uh, just body mass in general, probably closer to 10 to 12 pounds. But with all the water, sodium, et cetera, I ended up being about 22, which is 10 kg. Yeah, yeah. That's still a decent cut. And how do those cuts affect you? Oh, immensely, man. Like, by the time that I was in the deadlift, my fingers would end up locking up from hook rib where I couldn't open my thumb. Oh, man. Right, so it's... <laughs> So here's the thing, like, people people judge me for my very large water cuts, especially since we have a two-hour weigh-in, but the thing is, everything that I do, whether it's programming or manipulating macronutrients in water, it's science-backed, right? I I graduated from Virginia Tech with a uh, bio degree, and I, I follow things by the T based on what the research says, and if you're not above your weight class by at least 2 kg, you're pretty much leaving pounds on the table that you're not putting on the platform. Yeah. And I believe that across almost every skill level outside of beginner. But if you're even intermediate, cutting 4 to 5 pounds of water is not going to do much if you properly refill yourself. Mm -hmm. And if not, then you're pretty much, again, you're leaving pounds on the table that you could be putting on the platform. It's easy. People don't realize how efficient the body is from recovering from dehydration. And how quickly, how quickly and efficiently you can co- recover from dehydration. It's, it's, the body is very efficient with it, especially dehydration. If it's calories and you're like, oh, I didn't eat to make weight, but I'll eat after the weigh-in, you're probably – you just fucked yourself, man. Like your body's not going to all of a sudden – if you even try to catch up with like 3,000 calories after weigh-in, your body's not going to change that all into, into um, energy. My man Paul, who does some of the um, co-hosting, did that one time. He's like that's the Atwood kid, right? The, the, in the Atwood video, he was the guy, right? Uh, I think so. Was it? Well, 
Caffey was in the tub, and Paul uh, might have been. Paul might have been the co-host. Caffey was water cutting in the tub. With oh, the that tub. was you. That yeah, was that was my God. That was you. Okay. Yeah. So you're that guy. Yeah. Okay, he's, that guy. <laughs> he, he's the guy naked in my tub. <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah, no, Paul, a co-host, he's done it all in terms of like weight cutting. Before one of the weight cuts, he like didn't eat for like a day. And then he's like, oh, but I'll, I'll, and that's how he's going to make weight. He was also water cutting. And he's like, no, but I'll eat after the weigh-ins. And I'm like, Paul, if you try to catch up on 24 hours worth of food after a weigh-in, um, in terms of calorie-wise, you're going to retain only X amount of calories. Your body doesn't just let me smash all this food and all of those calories are going to be turned into energy. I'm like, I'd rather, mm-hmm. your body will bounce back from dehydration, rehydration a lot better than like, no food, man. He had to work. He, there, he's had a really like 15 pound. He's a 74 kilo guy as well. Shitty water cut. By the time deadlifts rolled around and is way too big of a water cut. Still, by the time deadlifts rolled around, he's hitting a PR because he's fully rehydrated. When it came to the mm-hmm. calorie, massive calorie deficit right before to hit the weigh in, he tried to bounce back and it was a shit day all around. And it's like, oh, man, that was really difficult. It's like, yeah, man, it takes time to process calories. And your body, the way it works, like if you have like a shitload of calories, it doesn't automatically one for one consume this calorie, turns into energy if you cluster it in all at once. It's difficult. It's hard. Weight cutting is like one of the trickiest things to do. I think we should all do it. If you want to hit the top level, it's lazy not to. And if you don't do it because you're afraid... Fuck, man, you know what fear does. You stay in the comfort zone and you're never going to be out there doing big things. But um, you got to, like, do your research and hopefully get some help with it. After doing such a big cut, what does rehydration look like for you in that two-hour window? Oh, man, it's a lot. But first things first, there is a very thin line between doing it correctly and just absolutely destroying yourself. And I don't really want to delve into my secrets too deeply. No, no, that's good. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) So I have made an article on this, but um, the bottom line is when you first dehydrate, people start going in the tub 12 to 14 hours before their meeting. That's ridiculous. Right? When I'm when I'm at the meet, I see these guys that are waiting for weigh-ins. They're all dressed up. They have their hot hair slicked back. They're all 100% ready for the platform. Whereas me, I'm in my sweatpants. I have my hoodie on. I'm sweating, right? And then I, I get ready afterwards, right? If I'm trying to look good for the platform, I, I weigh in. Do my thing, and then I and then I get ready. Um, and the reason I do that partly is because I actually cut weight one to two hours before my actual weigh-in. Because if you think about it, you cut twelve hours before, and you're going to be dehydrated for twelve hours. Yeah. Whereas if you do a more intense and aggressive uh, sauna session or heated bath, you'll be dehydrated for one to two hours. Albeit you'll lose a lot more calories because you're doing it at a much faster pace. Um, but in my opinion, exerting a little bit more energy is going to be significantly better than, you know, staying dehydrated for a very long period of time. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, no, so go on. But, no, you go on. So, you're done there. so um, refuel-wise, let's see. Ooh, I don't know, man. Uh, I'm not sure if I want to delve into this all day. Don't give it all up. Don't give it all up because this is, and, and no shitting, for everything we know about reps and rain, rep ranges and sets and singles and all the rest of it. So like in a lot that the information is shared huge. So many people mm-hmm. don't know about water cutting and are so afraid of it. They don't want to know. And if you're good at it, 
It is such a competitive advantage. That's still there. There's so few things in this day and age that are still there for people to have an edge over competition. That's one of them. Out of fear, some people are afraid to cut. They Or they'll try it, and it'll be... Like the process is always going to be terrible, and they have a bad day because they didn't do it right because it's your first time doing it, so they never go back. Good. Good. Because everyone else who actually took the time got back on that horse over and over and over saying, no, this is something I have to learn. If I'm going to be at the top, get to enjoy being 10 pounds bigger than you. And there's a reason why there's weight classes. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Man. If you have the opportunity to be an 83 kg lifter, competing in the 74 kg class, do it, right? Like, think about it. You're, you're I don't know, water cutting and water loading will be here um, it's been here since the beginning, and it's going to stay here. It's not like power thing. It's a contact sport. It's not controversial. It's not like the UFC where they're considering um, utilizing, I believe they're utilizing uh, hydration tests or considering using that. Yeah. That it's not, we're not fighting. It, it's just power thing. Yeah. So it's going to stay here, and it's going to be here until the end of time, until power thing dies out, until the world blows up, whatever, right? So if that's the case, you should start utilizing it as early as you can, right? Um as long as you know what you're doing. If you know, um, if you have a good, reliable coach that knows uh, even the slightest amount about water loading, how to do it safely, then you should start practicing from, from day one. Yeah. Right? That's what, um, like, Cafwe, so so I coached Cafwe, and um, he was he was small for an 83 kilo. And one of the biggest things was exactly what you were saying. Almost from day one, I was like, where's your body weight at? We should talk about water cutting. You're too small. And I said, like, there are guys walking around in the 190s, and if you are, like, less than 83 kilo, you're, like, around 180. It's just you have to be so much phenomenally better a lifter pound for pound than everybody else to win that if the guy is, like, 10 to 15 pounds heavier you naturally. And um, so so practice just like everything. It's not going to be day of in competition or, sorry, in training. We're practicing water cuts over and over and doing the systems and, and working out what worked, what, how much water did you lose, how did you feel when you rehydrated and how the rehydration procedure go, and then checking your body weight, logging it, and then, like, it's all part of it. And honestly, man, um, and uh, you were kind of iffy about it I initially. Was. And then man, uh, when I started out, I was I was lighter than you, competing eighty three kilos. <laughs> what, dude? It was. I'm saying it was, and that's where like you can't have it. You you ask a guy, what are your goals? If you want to go straight to the top, this is like exactly what you just said. If you want to go straight to the top, this is the shit you got to do. Like this is what everybody else is doing. The the type of talent you have to be to beat everybody else who's bigger than you or half a weight class up. Consider it this way. If you want to be half a weight class lower than everybody else, how much fuck you have to be? You better be a phenomenal talent if you honestly think you want to win or do some big things. If you just want to show up to be happy to show up, fine. Don't water cut. If that's if you're not super competitive about it, doesn't super matter. So if you're a beginner, you're not competitive. Whatever you're telling yourself, leave it. Just worry about everything else. But once you get intermediate and once you start doing things, because it's it's about practice and, and getting that out of the way, and then. Um, by the time Worlds rolled around and Caffey's taking that world title, he was a far bigger, stronger human being. Like, far bigger, stronger man. You could see it. He's like a bigger dude now. Um, and it's an advantage, man. Mass moves mass. But that's one stigma. Like, some people, like, just won't fuck with it. They're like, no. There's some people who, like, been in the game, high-level people, who are like, no. No, I don't play with that. I, yeah, I yeah. Isn't that weird? It's, 
Yeah, it's a huge stigma. Honestly, I would still say that most coaches right now don't recommend uh, a water cut more than 2 kg. And you, you know my philosophy. If I'm cutting 10 kg, you can be at least cutting 5. <laughs> Dude. At I, least. I, for me, I tell, like, I'm, man, we just had, Kathy's got a new athlete. I just met him at the gym, and I already was pushing a water cut. And I was like, <laughs> let me settle down. Let me settle down. The guy hasn't done his first <laughs> Yeah, yeah Kathy, like. Kathy's like, let's have him compete first, right? Let's just do that. Oh, boy. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, I pulled my, I got excited. But, no, 100%. It's like something that, um, and to be honest, like I just said, I'm almost all right with that. Like, I'm almost all right with the stigma because it, there are so few weapons that haven't been discovered, everyone knows. Like, your sword is my sword. That's from, like, the Five Rings, that one samurai guy who won 61 duels, wrote a book called Five Rings, and he talks about strategy and the art of war, basically. And he said, your sword is my sword. Basically... Whatever you discover, I can discover. I put spies in, I find out. This day and age, when it comes to powerlifting, any sports, whatever you're doing, I can find out and I start doing. Whatever you discovered, mm-hmm. you know, if I, I set up like this, I've used these singles, I could, I could find out and I could start doing. Everybody, your sword is my sword on almost everything when it comes to powerlifting. That's how you learned how to powerlift. But what, the only thing that is still sacred, that is still personalized, that some people at the highest level, you can have the best coach in the world, he won't help you do it because he doesn't know enough about it and he's scared too, is water cutting. So if you, yeah, get, yeah. you get you a fucking water cutting coach and you discover that, you could walk into a competition and be like, I'm bigger than everybody here. You're like, it's like, I'm a weight class up. You know, it's, it's, it's actually a good thing. I don't even want to take it away because I'm doing water cutting. So I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. If everyone else doesn't, and I'm the only guy who does, and everyone talks shit about it, but I'm like, I'm bigger than everybody. All right. Bet. We're good. We'll yeah, you just gave me a new idea for a coaching service. So I'm thinking that <laughs> I might have to incorporate that into, uh, into my coaching services within the next week. So it's, Man, it's, it, okay, people pay for handling. People pay for, for nutrition, people pay for programming, and people pay for handling day of. One, if you listen to this, 100%, if you're paying for programming and your coach doesn't do water cutting, if you're paying for handling and that guy doesn't do water cutting, that girl doesn't do water cutting, you fucking bet. If nobody's going to handle your water cutting, you better outsource that. Or you better start thinking about outsourcing that. 100% that should be a service. 100% that should be just like a nutrition. It'd be like, all right, this is the package I offer. And it's personalized. It's not a template. You know, you know, it's just like nutrition or just like any kind of programming. Water cutting is not a template. They can't do exactly what you're doing. It's not the sodium levels. Everything cannot. You could really do some massive problems if you don't. So, um, yeah, it should be a service. Not, not, a, not just one-off template. I mean, it's a good one. It's a good one, too. But just don't make it too readily available. <laughs> Charge premium. Yeah, Stay away from the kilo the, boys. Yeah, get a guy that knows who who knows what he's doing, and then you'll be golden. Right? Just just find me or find Ryan, and uh, yeah. you got two solid coaches right here. So, do some. Hey, don't disrespect me now. Six pack lap of that handles. Handles. Exactly. KOTL. KOTL. Yeah, we use handles. Um, so let's get back. I just I want to talk about. The USAPL 2018 and the 2019 IPF Worlds, and then we move forward. Um, so the 2018 Raw Nats, you you weren't you weren't in prime time yet. No, not not at all. Actually, no one knew about me. And again, I saw the CA video. He didn't know about me, but I'll tell you what, man, I knew about everyone. I did my research. I'm one of those guys that even now, going into 2020, I know everyone that's going to be 
competing at 2020 Raw Nationals. And I know my competition. I know exactly when I have to hit to win. And the same, it was the same year in 2019. So, and so, so um, he didn't see you come. And, and in terms of that progress, people come out of nowhere all the time like that. So once you made the national team, how did you, how did you make the national team afterwards? Was it right away? Was it after the fact? And you were like, let's see what happens. How did that all come about? So the thing is, I actually was chosen as a alternate, right? I, I came in third as a junior at Royal National 2019, probably my, one of my worst performances after the 100% Royal meet, right? I went six out of nine or five out of nine, probably hit absolutely none of the numbers that I wanted, but this was also one of the first times that I, um, I utilized a very, very drastic water cut. And uh, one tip for you guys, try to taper into a water cut, whether that means hitting a sauna for 20 to 30 minutes, four weeks prior to actually actually your meet day so you can kind of acclimate your body um, into handling that shock. But um, at the time we were on Astros 2019, I did not do that, and performance suffered. But you, uh, you ended up, and thank God you did, making the U.S. national team nonetheless. And we've heard, we've heard a couple stories. This is nothing I told Kathy because he came on as an alternate as well. I don't care mm-hmm. where you end up, apply for the national team. Because you don't know who's going to pull out, who's going to like, who can travel, who can't. Always apply for the national team. I don't care where you're ranked. Um, Kathy also mm-hmm. actually was third at nationals, ended up applying and making the team. So always apply because those underdog stories always happen. So once you make the national team, that's what Michael was like, hey, man, this dude came out of nowhere and there's a whole lot of heat coming off this kid. So what, is that when you started being like, all right, I'm, in the, I'm, I'm invited to the ball, time to start dancing? And, and started throwing out these posts. When did that start coming about? Yeah, that was that was probably one week after I found I got the email confirmation that I was actually on the team. I believe that was about two weeks before the deadline for alternates. So first things first, I was insanely happy that I was chosen. Um, one of the biggest surprises was getting that email from from Ani saying that you know you're on the U.S. team. Right? I, I couldn't be any happier. Yeah. But um, right after that, I started making these posts trying to trying to piss people off. I think the first one was tagging, you know, uh, the top three nominated oh, lifters. You tagged them, too? <laughs> yes. Oh, so so I, I tagged them. That's and then... balls. That's balls, man. Some people do it and don't tag. You tag. Nicely done, sir. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. I have to let them know who I am, right? Yeah. But um, as, as time progressed on, I ended up... Oh, hold on. Yeah, so as uh, as the time, sorry, do you, I'm like lagging right now. Do you hear that? No, no, you're good. We don't hear nothing. You you sound normal. All right. Anyway, so as time progressed on, I started commenting on these people's posts. Right. Um, I think Michael posted a five five hundred ninety pound squat or six hundred pound squat, something along those Woo! lines. Right. Very very impressive stuff. Right. But then uh, my comment said something along the lines of, you know, this is amazing. Like, quality silver medal material right here. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, like, this is this is a silver medal squat right here. You got this in the bag, brother. <laughs> yeah, and, you were, oh, you, right. and you were like, you should be very proud about that silver. That's a really good job, man. It looked a little high. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or it's like, that looked really good. Look a little high, but I'm sure you'll lower it in competition day. I'm sure. I'm not yeah, yeah. You, like, you know, those backhanded compliments, you know, it was a little high, but sometimes people do high in training. You, you never hit depth in competition or it's not a, a problem competition. So you hit that. 
Jizzle's back yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I can't, I can't wait to see you, like, look down at you when you get your medal. It's going to be so amazing, both of us, man. <laughs> um, things like, uh, that's an insane squad, man. I can't believe I only tripled that last week. Immensely. <laughs> Very impressive. It's great we're moving the same weight. I hit a triple though, but that doesn't matter. You know that's great we're moving the same weight. It's good for America, but it's uh, but at least when it's funny, it's funny. You know, like when it's just like right, and right. Michael, Michael himself said, I didn't take it seriously. He like he met you and you guys were like chilling, whatever it is, what it is. But um, was he was he trash talking back already, or was it what was it like leading into? No, he wasn't. That's the thing. I like. I feel like I was the only one trying to start shit, yeah. um, trying to like, you know, tickle everyone to buns, like trying to get them pissed off. But um, everyone is just too nice and powerful. That's one thing I hate about it. Like you have to ruffle some feathers and get some interest into this weight class. And that's what I love about what you're doing. Like when you uh, have coached on KOTL, whether it's 83, 74, you always try to make a rival out of something, a rivalry out of two people. Um, you know, some banter between the two, but it's not going to work if both parties are not interested in, right? Like both of us have to start throwing insults at one another for it to be uh, interesting. I can't be the only one. Otherwise it just looks like I'm bullying him. Right? Yeah. I 100% find that. Like I grew up playing team sports and like the mentality is so different. You're always chirping your opponents. I remember my first meet, like everyone's like, Oh, congratulations. Like base win. And I was kind of like, huh, this is different. This is new. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like, um, and, and like Michael is more of a, like a reserved dude. He's not the same, you know, it's just the way he carries himself. Even on the show, he's, he's, um, I don't know. I think he'd feel weird about it. Even though he doesn't take it back. Like he did, he took it all in stride. I'm like, yeah, I feel like I wasn't that ruffled about it, but he's just not also the same type of dude who's going to go there himself. So like he was, he was good with it. It's just, he's not necessarily going to be a verbal sparring partner, but he's starting to a little bit. He's starting to warm up because mm-hmm. now that he knows you better that you met, He's like, oh, okay, now I know how to process this. This is him playing. Like, we're, we're, we're playing right now. This is, like, this is fun. So once you view it like that, because now you guys are bantering back and forth a little bit, all right, let's have some fun, do our thing, right? So um, for some people, it's just different, and they're not used to it. At the very least, what I try to do, if not, like, uh, you know, create trash talk, and people are in a trash talk type of people, it gets awkward if they try to do it. It's okay for, for in terms of that, but I mean, in terms of like just building up, here's this guy and his story, here's this guy and his story, here's this girl and her story, and, and here's this girl, and like creating, look how close they are, you can't blink, nobody can miss, and create tension between these specific individuals, pay attention, these guys are battling, there can only be one but they're so close. Who's going to knock who off the podium? Who's going to knock who off the gold medal to top of the mountain? And then whatever happens after that organically, they don't have to necessarily, like Brett and Russell don't shit talk, but they got a sporting rivalry and they talk so confidently about like themselves. It's mm-hmm. like, and, and so all I need is you talk about confidently about yourself and that you're going to win. You talk confidently about yourself and you're going to win. I will create the there can only be one. He thinks he's got it. He thinks he's got it. Who's it going to be? And I'll help. And you don't even got to come out of pocket and talk shit. And sometimes that's it. That's good. Somebody's got to make some interest though. Like, uh, you know, somebody's got to, you got people have to care. If, if everybody wants to stay in the pocket and be vanilla and nobody cares, fine, man. It doesn't work. Not in individual sports. It's not a team sport where we're representing Toronto Raptors or Toronto, so we care like that. That's not what we got. 
You're not a mm-hmm. team. You're not a team for your hometown. So why do I care about Ricky Cho? But then I, right, right. you know, it's it's tough. So and I don't want people to talk shit just to talk shit. Or if everyone talks shit, it'd be kind of corny. Just mm-hmm. stay in the pocket, be confident, be you, and I'll help the narrative of we got five kings. Like some, we have five weight class. We have one weight class. We have like two junior world champions, two different years, two open world champions from two different years, and then uh, a guy from whatever shit, and they're all going to clash. I'll help build the narrative that can only be one. Who's it going to be? You know, and, and put it out there. But um, it's tough, man. We, got, we need people to give a shit, right? Yeah, I mean, tell me this. How, much, how many more viewers would you have had between Russ and Brett if, um, if they were a lot more outward about their insults with one another and their, uh, right, like, think about it. It would be Dude. significantly more. And it's our, it's our attempt to make an individual sport as team-like as possible. And that's the number one way that we're going to get this into a mainstream sport. Yeah. It, it, it's like, uh, like, well, Taylor and Kajel did it from Norway. They had some back and forth. Kajel didn't have a good meet, though, and that happens. Fuck, it happens. Here, here's what I want to talk to you about. Um, and this is actually, like, it kind of goes back. So, um, Kajel's like, he won the Worlds. He beat Taylor to win the Worlds before. He's po- he's moved up to 83, not, and he was a small 83 and hit, like, some monster total. Um, phenomenal guy. He put himself out there and said, fuck it. I'm going to do a little trash talk with Taylor. No one can push this guy. Let's see what happens. He goes in there, and he has a bad day. Like, that's that's by no means his best representative. And that happens in sport. Unfortunately, powerlifting, we don't have an 82-game season. You got, like, three so if you have one bad day, it could be like four to six months until you lift again. Actually, Kajel, his problem, my man lifted like six weeks before Worlds. I think that was a fucking mistake. And they quit the Worlds, right? Equipped. It was equipped. It was equipped mm-hmm. Europeans, I think. So the weight he was moving, that was a mistake, but it is what it is. You live and learn. He's probably like, ah, shit, whatever. It is what it is. I don't think he's going to beat Taylor. Taylor was going to be the favorite anyways, but I'm sure he would have liked to have pushed him and made it you know, a little better that way. But um, nonetheless, so people say, here's the problem. When you talk shit, call someone out. If you lose, what does that make you feel? Oh, it's going to be so embarrassing. But he, it's, it doesn't have to, well, I'll let you speak on it. So going into the worlds and the hype and everything, because Michael won, how did you feel afterwards and how did you deal with it? And I'll say my, my point of view of it as well. In terms like, oh, but you lost though. Can you still talk shit afterwards? And like, how do things change? See, here's the thing about powerlifting. Because it's so friendly, the community is so friendly. When you lose, it's nowhere near as bad as if you lost, you know, let's say a basketball match in your home city, right? Um, For me personally, it was my first year in the IPF. And just being able to travel to Sweden was just an experience in itself. And I can be any happier or I, that, that's the only emotion that I felt even when I lost now did I wish that I could have won obviously I feel like the scenario that happened at IPF Worlds was partly due to uh, the fact that it was my first year there and obviously you know the coaches knew me um, but you know when it comes to losing it, it, you just have to let it roll off the shoulder you have to roll the punches if you stay angry at that Hopefully you can use it as motivation, but otherwise it's just it's toxic. You're not going to get through with that. And it, and it, um, I think people are afraid to like get things going because if they lose, they're worried about how they'll look if they lose. Mm-hmm. And in the end, it's like 
if you're if you're on the field, don't worry about what the people in the stands. Just make them care. And <clears throat> win or lose, it's like, hey, yeah, like whoever's gonna talk shit about someone who hopped in there and tried and and didn't make it, like it, that's their own fear of failure. When you're able to go out there and be like, look, I'm going to say I'm going to do this. I'm going to throw myself out there and make myself vulnerable. And I'm going to try to win right up until the end. And if I don't win, it is what it is. I'll pick myself up. We come back and nothing changes. We stay the course. It's, um, I think people are just, the fear of failure is, is the biggest probably uh, thing that holds people back in those situations. From doing the things like you said. Putting themselves out there. If not talking shit, if that's not your thing, that's fine. But from being confidently saying, like Russell doesn't talk shit, but he will confidently say I'm number one in the world. He will confidently say I want to win. He will confidently, and that's all people need. Because if you say it and the other guy says it, that's enough. You're a sporting rival now. And the other guy says it and he has right to, like Brett. Brett doesn't talk shit either, but he is confident as shit. If you haven't met him, have a conversation. Brett is quick to be like, I'm the best in the world. You know, he, he doesn't feel no two ways about it. So, but some people are afraid to do that and proclaim that, walk in there and fail. How do you feel about like, like quote unquote, taking that risk? Do you think that's like the biggest thing holding people back from being outwardly confident? And like they're worried about what people will think afterwards if you don't live up to this hype you built yourself? My mindset on that is if you're afraid to lose more than your drive to win, then you probably deserve to lose. Nice. Right? Yeah, no, that's like it that. right there. That's it right there. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, try, I'm trying to claim that right now, but I heard that from someone else. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but it, it, it fits. It's perfect. It's, yeah. it's like I, I would live and die by that statement, and I'm not going to say that I never fear losing, right? But you have to try your best um, to kind of toss that thought aside and just keep, keep aiming for the win. Keep, keep aiming for first. Yeah. You know what someone said also, I think, I'm going to butcher the quote, but like something about like success comes when you could balance from failure to failure and never lose enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. If you just approach the next competition like you won last time, but you won't win this time and you genuinely believe it, that's how you, you pull it off. Like we see how many people we've seen, um, you know, go in there like, man, how many, like Bryce Lewis off the top of my head. Um, you know, the year before comes in second, the, the next year, even as people might be looking at Versbecki again, ends off pulling off the win and becomes a world champion. That shit happens. L.S. McLean, there's tons of guys who walk in there as alternates, as like underdogs. I don't, it doesn't matter what happened last year, the year before that. This year's different. And you believe it, and you're 100% behind it, then you're in. But if you have doubt in your mind, and the other guy's like, ah, I won last time, so that means that'll always be. Not, that's not, we know in sports that's not the case. And in other sports, I think if you come from other sports where there's like an 82-game season, you see how many times in a series of five either team can win one, lose one, back and forth. I think you're used to that. Like Caffrey comes from soccer. How many times does Caffrey play a team, you get your ass whooped? Play the same team two months later, same season, and you whoop their ass. And you, you get mentally conditioned, well, that happens. Um, but I think some powerlifters don't come from other sports and, and they don't realize that happens all the time. So once they lose to someone, they're like, oh, shit. Oh, man. And then you look and you're like, oh, fuck, he's going to that competition again. He's back. And it gets in their head. And they don't realize 
In other sports, man, this happens all the time. It doesn't mean he's gonna that person's always gonna win. That's just not the way it goes in sports. But some people aren't used to that because they don't have the conditioning from other sports. Like it's all sports psychology. You know what I mean? Like, do you have? Do you ever? What's your sports psychology side of it? Do you ever have you ever researched in on that or looked into that or has it just come natural for you? This isn't something that I'm very adept at, but I don't think it's any coincidence that the top dogs in the USAPL and IPF, uh, at the very least, like 80% of them come from a different sport uh, behind powerlifting, right? They never started from powerlifting from the get-go, uh, you know, whether it's Sean and baseball and Russ and football and me, crew, I'm not sure how much that matters, right? Uh, hockey, right? There you go. Um, n- nonetheless, I feel like all of us have a certain type of mindset, and to be a champion, you really have to adopt that exact mindset that you're talking about. Because it is, it's almost too intensive when there's only three times, two to three times a year you play. Because the onus on those two to three times is too fucking intensive. Like when you play as another sport, it doesn't matter, rowing, how many times will you do compete in that year? You taste victory, defeat enough times, you know how it goes. Powerlifting, if you haven't done sports previous, it's too fucking intensive because it's only two to three times. The onus on that two to three times, I've seen people compete. We've had these conversations. So listen, this is what I think about in terms of coaching. Part of coaching is, sport. if you've got a coach who's good with sports psychology and understands things, it can help mm-hmm. so much in terms of a lifter's confidence. I've had those call a guy up before a competition. My man here is right here and be like, let me talk to you. Because I've seen some nerves going on. You just explain. Listen to me. Like some people start talking. You know they're talking like um, it's all or nothing. Tomorrow proves like like I did this, that in the gym. But tomorrow vindicates or takes away everything I did the last two months. And you could tell somebody like listen to me. We already know in terms of a sample size. Last two months is 60 days. We know you're stronger. Period. I seen. I have the numbers. Men lie. Women lie. Numbers don't. I've seen it. So don't tell me tomorrow we find out whether or not you've improved, whether or not you're stronger, whether or not you're a better powerlifter or whatever. I already know you are. Tomorrow is a sample size of one out of 60. That's the shittiest sample size I've ever seen. If you want to talk mm-hmm. sample size, like, um, like for instance, you going into either nationals, worlds, or whatever, there are so many other variables that can impact your day of that one day. But you know if you got better and stronger. You know if you're moving in the right direction. You might have to tidy some things up. Be like, this one variable fucked me up. I'm going to fix that. But I got stronger. You know, this happened. But I know what my potential is. So if you look at the overall sample size, it somewhat alleviates. And that would be more equivalent to other sports. You played 60 games and not one game. And you're like, nah. Mm-hmm. Nah, I looked at every other day in the gym. We're there. We're good. So don't like, it's not going to make or break you. And it's easier to bounce back from a, a defeat, if you will, if ever a fucking silver medal worlds can be ever called a defeat. That's pretty harsh. But we'll just use that terminology. Easier to bounce back when you tell yourself, nah, I know I'm up there. I know where I'm at. I know I'm capable. I just got to make a couple different variables and change it. And that's kind of like something that um, if you don't come from another, like powerlifting throws you to the dogs, where it throws you to the wolves when it's like you got two, two games. You better, mm-hmm. you better fucking win them both or else you're a loser. Like, that's too yeah. that's harsh, man. It doesn't work like that. You know? Yeah, think about, think about it this way. In the USAPL, there are two big meets outside of Worlds, um, Raw Nationals and Arnold, right? 
And this is one thing that I rely on, is the ability to perform under pressure. Uh, you know, half the guys that compete that are, uh, you know, top picks for the 74, 83, 66 kg weight class, they can't perform under pressure because of the fact that there are only two big meets within that year. And, and that's just another skill you have to have. You have to adopt that skill. You have to perform at it, and you have to practice it. And it's just like lifting. If you don't practice it, you're not going to do well at it. And that's just one factor that you have to account for when you're prepping for a meet, um, going into Raw Nationals. I think, at least for the 74 kg class, there are probably four or five lifters uh, over 650 kg total that have the skill to really um, perform at 100% going into Raw Nationals because of the fact it's such a big meet. And the rest, you know, they'll probably go six or seven at night. You never know. And what do you think? How do you alleviate, like, in terms of your mental focus, in terms of what you're looking at, how do you not get worried about these other guys leading into a meet and handle that pressure? Mentally, what, what would be that, that secret for you? Uh, it's not really a secret. I absolutely get worried about other lifters. But the thing is, when the time comes, I know that I put in the effort and I try not to think about it outside of, uh, you know, numbers specifically. I, I literally just think from a number standpoint, not, damn, like, you know, he's so much stronger than me. He's performing a lot better than me. Instead, I think he hit this number for squat. Therefore, his subtotal is going to be this, and this is what I have to hit. So I'm going to focus on myself and try to beat that so that I can get qualified for the Worlds. Mm. Yeah. Right, because otherwise, you're not going to make it. There's just too much to think about, and at this point in time, there are, and... I'm calling this now, I, I think there's going to be at least five people totaling over 10 times body weight for the 74 kg this year at Raw Nationals. Holy shit, that's a nightmare. I, I think so, man. I think it's good. That's 100%. And this is uh, obviously including Taylor, who's already hit over uh, 10 times. But yeah. the vast majority of those lifters will probably be juniors, including Michael, um, Austin Perkins. Nuts. Kevin Tran, if you've heard of him. Oh, I just posted him, yeah. I'm, starting, I'm, I'm hitting yeah. him now. People started hitting me up like, yeah, I'll show him our love to Kevin Tran. Done. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's my boy. That's Kevin is my boy. But him, Zach DiCostanzo, myself, um, I think I already said Mike, but there's a handful of guys that will total over 10 times body weight, and then I would not be surprised if there's 10 to 15 guys that total over 700 kg. Which is absolutely insane. Yeah, 74 kg is by far the, undisputably, the most competitive weight class in the USAPL right now. I think, and that's where, so I posted, are the 105's most stacked class in the world? And people are like, what? What about the 74's? This is crazy. And what I was saying is like, in, when, when I said in the world, I meant like at the world's, um, because at the 105's, because they come from different nations, they're all going to meet, and we'll have all these like world champions, and it's so close, they're all like, any, any one of them from one through six could win. The thing with the 74's, mm-hmm. The problem with the 74 is they're all in the same country. So when we go to worlds, when we go to, not like there are other good guys in the different worlds, but there's a disparity amongst their cluster all in the U.S. So when they go to the world championships, we saw it was you and Michael. It was two guys. It was close. It was a great, like, I'm glad you guys were both there. It makes it good sports. I need a fucking competitive game to care. But. The rest of the world wasn't as up, so it wasn't like the 105s were whatever. Um, and that's what I meant when I posted is like, 74 is a stacked, but the meet will be the USAPL Nationals to watch then. 
because we can't, right. we can't take you all. That's the problem. I would love if we could take five of you. Then the worlds would be, would be nuts. Unfortunately, like, and this is the gift and the curse about being American. Everybody watches your nationals and care. You come from Norway or whatever. Nobody's watching the live stream. No one's watching their nationals. No one's giving the love to their nationals. You could just be a national level lifter in the U.S., have 100,000 people following you because your nationals is nuts. However, that's the pro. The con, and and social media, everything is lovely. It's lovely when it comes to if you're on the American team. However, the flip side, try to make a fucking world team. It's damn near impossible. You got to be the best in the world to make a world team. It's, you don't have to be national level. You got to be world level to make a national team. That's hard, man. Like, that's mm-hmm. difficult. What you think? Not only that, but if the top five guys are from the USA in the world team, right? Like, first and fifth place in the 74 KG are all USA kids. It's, it's literally going to deter any other country from trying to put in their lifters of their own. Just because it's, it's not there. Like, frankly, it's not there. But I agree with you. When me and Michael were at Worlds, I feel like him and I, uh, alongside the coaches, we definitely uh, accounted for the other countries. But it wasn't like as much of a priority as it might as it should have. Honestly, yeah, it's not the same as like you. You could outside of the fact that everybody and their mother watches the IPF Worlds, and and it's like they they full on bring a full on TV crew, and they man, it's. If people haven't been to an IPF World Championship and competed, the shit is doesn't feel the same. What did you feel when you were there? Were you like, oh man, this is different. This feels different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, almost equivalent to Raw Nationals, but that, that's only because like going into Raw Nationals, they're probably some of the most tough competition out there. But it's it's man, it's it's I don't know how to describe it. It's amazing, but it's, it's also nerve wracking. Uh, one of the most nervous I've ever been in my entire life, right? Going up on that stage, performing and knowing that <laughs> 10,000 people were watching. If I messed up, if I sneezed and a little booger came out, everyone would have seen that, right? <laughs> that would have been terrible, man. I, I'm not like, it was worrisome to be frank. It was worrisome. I feel bad for these, like, you know, girls, whatever, they deadlift and, and pee on the platform. That shit happens. Ooh. That shit happens like all the time though. I don't even like, you know, like, the, I, I'm there for two weeks commenting every single session from the sub juniors to M4s right into the open. I don't even blink. An, when you've been around powerlifting enough, you don't even blink an eye, man. It doesn't mean a thing to me. But um, some of these, like I've seen like 13 year old girls go up there and that shit happens. And you're like, I'll never skip a beat. And I act like nothing happened and be like, that's a good lift. Look, if she increases, I think she got five more kilo tank. I just talk like it never happened. And mm-hmm. try to alleviate because I know that kid who's going back to fucking high school, middle school, whatever, thinks, oh, my God, my world is over. Everyone just saw that. And some people... Damn, you're a nice guy, dude. You're a nice guy for doing that. Like, and I agree with you, right? But that's awfully kind of you. Well, that, man, I had, I've had co-hosts uh, or co-commentators look at me and be like, oh, should, should we say something? Should we say, like, a joke to alleviate? Should we... Um, and I'm like, never. You, do, you act like it didn't even happen. You act like mm-hmm. it's not a big deal, and it isn't a big deal. And you just keep it yeah, moving. Yeah, keep it professional. That's it. Just keep it moving like it isn't a big deal, and no one takes it as a big deal. And um, mm-hmm. if someone says, if someone like comments on King of Lists or whatever, I, I turn it around. I'm like, are you, are you new? You new to powerlifting? You new to powerlifting? Nah, yeah, you new. 
I know, because this is the first time you've seen it. Because I see that all the time. All right, well, stick around. Like, you turn it around and make the guy feel a little funny about himself. Like, uh, stick around, rookie, because this shit is... Now you just outed yourself as a rookie. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hey, man, don't be that guy, though. You can't be that I'm guy that's commenting on. Yeah, yeah, you can't do that. This is what I am. If someone bullies a girl who pees, I'll be that guy. If, if oh, yeah. bully... No, I don't call people out for being a rookie and be like, I mean, like, if someone uh-huh. rolls a girl who pees on King of Lifts, then I'll right. I'll turn it around on them and be like, make you feel silly for trolling and bullying. I don't bully yeah, you. Yeah. I don't bully you. No, no, I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about you. I'm saying don't be the guy that comments. Oh, right? got you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but people do. People do, though. You're like, yeah, you would think, like, why would you? Man, I could, I could post, like, an 18-year-old girl kill a fucking deadlift national record and if she peed someone wants to say something it's like dude what the shit you know what i mean like people on what do you think about what have you seen on social media that people tried some bullshit like that with you just trolling <laughs> not about peeing well, i mean well, first things first i don't pee when i deadlift okay ah, that's not what i heard that's not what michael said <laughs> Hear me out, though. I think, like, obviously, it's 100% normal, but here's the slightly controversial side. Yeah. What do you think, like, just some person that's watching the Olympics, let's say that Kyle think it's the Olympics, they see that for the first time, you know, what do you think they think, right? And how are we going to kind of uh, normalize this into the mainstream media so that we can, you know, you know, just say that this is normal, this is a part of our sport, etc.? Yeah, I mean, um, honestly... I think it, it, exactly the way it Like, for instance, we're on the Olympic Channel for the first time. And the Olympic Channel numbers, by the way, were bonkers. So we usually just post... Uh, when I say we, like like the IPF uh, media team and shit, I'm not... I shouldn't say, like, take all credit for this like it's me. But um, they post on their, on their YouTube, and that's how people watch it streamed on the IPF YouTube. This year, they put it on the Olympic Channel, and... Um, like, for instance, the World Track and Field Championships was just on not that long ago. I, I don't know where. And I was watching, like, the World Track. And I put shit like that on in the background. I don't watch. I don't follow um, normally, like, fucking shot put or, like, uh, hurdles or whatever. But I might put it on. And if you're, if I want to see the 100-meter sprint and your sport pops up, I might watch it. I Man, when the Olympics are on... I usually don't give a sh- pole vaulting. I don't follow pole vaulting. The Olympics were on, and I, I want to see Usain Bolt and Justin G- Gatlin go like toe to toe. Our man DeGrasse from Canada hop in there, take a bronze, by the way. Quick shout out. But um, I, I want to see that, the, like the big sports, just like anybody else. Pole vaulting came on when I was waiting, and there was a battle, and I shit, some dude from France, you would have loved him, good Ricky, because he was like talking. The, 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 I think the guy from Norway hit it and the crowd started cheering and he's like, no, no, no. He put his finger up, no, 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 no. And he was like getting in and the crowd's like, oh. And he went in there and, and hit his, his height and started throwing his hands like, yeah. Well, like, like, and he threw his hand to his ear like, what's going on? You guys aren't saying nothing anymore. I got into it and I was like, oh shit. I'm, I'm like, my, my wife was like, um, switch to see if, if like the 100 meters is on it might be on another channel and i i shit you mm-hmm. not i was like hold up i gotta see how this ends because i was into it like i all of a sudden mm-hmm. i don't give a damn about pole vaulting i bring that up because when the, we went on the olympic channel you don't know how people who 
throw it on for other sports or they see a tweet from the Olympic channel and, it, and they tweet out powerlifting on at two, check it out. Some people are like, not super into powerlifting, but let me check it out. They post it on and now we're outside of our normal crew. We're outside of our normal market. And these are just sports fans. And they watch powerlifting and like, the numbers are absolutely bonkers, man. It's like boom goes the dynamite. Our numbers were like through the roof. So um, you have fans that are brand new to sport and they don't know about peeing on the plat, like peeing on, like if a girl might pee, whatever. So you mm-hmm. can tackle this. How do you tackle this? How do you normalize it? And to be honest, it's the exact same way I always do is if I'm the commentator and I'm acting as though I couldn't give a shit less and we keep it moving – and you saw that, mm-hmm. and you saw that for the first time, and you noticed I didn't even mention. And we keep it moving. You keep watching, and you might see it again. And again, I don't even mention. And we keep it moving. And then you start cueing. You take cues from me as a commentator. So if I'm acting like nothing and it's normal, you take your cues from me. And then you're like, oh, he didn't even flex on that was nothing. And then if you keep, and you, you get interested, so you start watching the IPF Worlds often, or powerlifting, and nobody draws any conclusions from you, start realizing, man, I've seen that three times, A, so it's a pattern, B, nobody gives a fuck, mm-hmm. there it is, it becomes normal, it takes time though, it takes time, but it becomes normal, draw attention to certain things, certain things you draw attention to, certain things you, like, you might need to explain, certain things you might not, that's how I, that's how I, now, I'm not, saying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's the only way. What, what do you think? Well, first things first, that was an amazing interview for an Olympic commentator, so I, you'll definitely get the job there. Second yeah. of all, um, I guess if I had to rephrase my question, do you think that this would hold us back? In terms so what do you mean uh, this would hold us back? In, in, in terms of, you know, whether or not if the Olympic Committee had to decide on uh, whether to allow powerlifting as an Olympic sport, do you think having that on public TV, um, it, it would hold us back from being an Olympic sport? Oh, hold us back. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's a good question. You know what? I, I can't think they would be – I don't think so. – like there are sports like boxing where you can get cut up and bleeding and like, 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 like body mm-hmm. – flu- like blood – is a whole lot more scary for more people in terms of transferring bodily fluids. Like urine is like, it's sterile. It's you know, nothing's going to happen to you. Whereas blood is far more, you know, you get people getting knocked the fuck out. I like when the, when I'm man, I'm a sports junkie, like a, a Olympic sports junkie. When the Pan Am games came to Toronto, I was buying tickets to fucking everything. Like I watched Taekwondo, Taekwondo, my man, it's full contact. I seen dudes get like head, spinning head kick knocked the fuck out and it was like mm-hmm. oh damn i can't believe i bought a ticket for this and like people are watching and cheering on tv and the olympics which like it's the olympics we think of the olympics as like you know very tidy snooty they'll post you get like dudes wear headgear in taekwondo and are you mm-hmm. in korea, are you in korea right now is that what you said yeah i'm in korea right I now i gotta tell you all right like like the the this is a Korean sport and the Koreans are like uber amazing at it but um actually it's a fucking Korean I've seen do it dude head kick KO'd a guy and the other guy was from Greece and he had he, was, he had like they wear headgear and his, he got hit and it sounded like a fucking baseball bat hitting a pumpkin it was brutal Ooh. and the dude's headgear Yikes. and the dude's headgear turned sideways and was covering his face it, and he hit the ground 
and tried to get back up and was teetering from one side to the other like a drunk mm-hmm. trying to find his Uber and get his way home. That, mm-hmm. shit, that shit was on the Olympic Channel, and I'm like, oh damn! Like that's the, this is an Olympic sport. I mean, they're not quite as worried about it as you might like. Like someone lifting and then an involuntary pee is. It's not as big a di- shit happens. Nah, man, that was a bad punt. That was a bad. Yeah, <laughs> that was go. a great punt, brother. What are you talking oh. about? Good job, man. You go, you go. Let's keep this going. You go. Perfect segue to my next question. What if they shit on the platform? Um, but uh, woof. <laughs> but okay. uh, All right, let's take it back a notch. Actually, let's, back, let's, let's, let's go. Let's go, let's go backwards. Let's tackle one at a time. Let's tackle one at a time. Yes, please. Yes, please. But um, yeah, I mean, I think to an extent. Sports are, sports are untidy. If we if we hold it to a level of everything's got to be so controlled that nothing like like something that can happen. Like if you watch other sports, because we're in powerlifting, we're so deep into it. This is all we're thinking. If you step back mm-hmm. and watch some of these other sports, my man, the body does some like like hurdling. There are people who tumble, and there are some nasty breaks, and and you might be like, "Fuck, we can't have it. The hurdles are too high." It would be. You can't be overly worried about it. And honestly, the Olympic Committee uh, is not overly worried about, you know, that, that shit. They have bigger problems than other sports, right? Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it'll be a major issue. I don't think myself. Yeah, I really hope so, man. And I think my answer for that is I have no, no clue. I don't know what they would do. I don't know what they would think. But when it comes to boxing versus powerlifting, uh, you know, combat sports versus, you know, urinating on the ground, it's just, it's a different dynamic, and, yeah. you know, I, I definitely understand your point of view, but, no, I don't know what else I can say for that, I just, yeah, I hope it works out, Yeah, I, I think it'll work out, and I hope it does. Yeah, like, I know what you mean, where you're like, you don't know what people, what these guys are thinking in, in the IOC, you know, you, you don't know, I know what you mean, where you're like, I don't think it should be an issue, but I have no idea how tight they are with the presentation mm-hmm. of events, um, but I don't think... Uh, because they put us on the channel, and um, we've seen everything under the sun once we went on the Olympic channel. And their reaction to powerlifting was like, when can we have the next event? And the IPS, yeah. Yeah, oh, man, they usually tweet once, being like, powerlifting, 2 o'clock, don't miss it. The uh-huh. They saw the ratings come in, and they started tweeting throughout the day, Whoa, here's a repost of Ricky Cho's deadlift and shit like that. Let's go. Okay. Like, they were doing shit like I just used you as an example. I got no idea exactly. Don't pair, don't go back look yeah, at yeah, stuff. I but what I'm saying is um I'm sure they put like Russ or something on there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was good. It was fine. I mean Russ. But um but uh yeah, it, like they were all over it. And then when the event was over, they started saying, um, like we did like a 30 second intro. Like just before any sport, the 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 video camera is on us, and I'm like Make sure you pay attention. Here's here's the showdown between this person and that person. Give a little intro, and then we cut to the platform. The action starts. They were coming in and be like, expand that intro. Love it. I want two minutes least. I need two minutes. And they were like, give us more. And then um, give it. You know what? Give us an outro. I want an outro after every. You know what? I want it every session. Not no, no. Sorry, not every session. I want it every event. You do an intro per session. I want an intro for bench. I want an intro for deadlifts. I want an outro for bench. I, that's what they were saying. They wanted more. They were like, keep giving us more. And then when the shit was all over, they were like, when's the next event? And they're well, that's the world's. I mean, and they were like, well, do you have regionals? Do you have a quick? We want it. Give us more. And we're like, oh, damn. 
This dude, I can't tell you how good that is. You know, because they need it. Man, that that makes me so happy to hear. And on that point, like when people say, or when they joke about powerlifting being a hobby and it's not a real sport and it's never going to be the Olympics, it's fine, right? I love memeing. Like, meme culture is my shit. I love it. But uh, on the other side, you know, some people truly do believe that. And, you know, it's your sport. Just own up to it and try to push it as far as you can. And to hear that from you saying that the Olympic Committee, uh, you know, love the stream of IPF Worlds, it's it's looking awful, man. I think you're doing really good stuff with that. It is. Um, look at me. I, like, I also get it, too, the meme culture and trolling, whatever shit. Mm-hmm. It, it almost goes back to what we were talking about before, isn't it? Where if you're afraid to try because you think you might not do it and you look silly, then you probably shouldn't be there. Like, if you're afraid... It's the same thing of fear. You're not going to try because you're afraid. So let's not try to get in the Olympics. Fuck it. Nah, let's try though. Because maybe we, you, I, I guarantee we don't get in the Olympics if we're afraid and we don't try. That's 100%. Yes, not, sir. You can't make it if you, if you try. But try though. Why not? Why not? Do you know mm-hmm. what's been in the Olympics? They got some sports that's like, how the fuck did you guys get in the Olympics? Whose <laughs> palm are you greasing to get in the Olympics? What the hell are you doing in the Olympics? You telling me, mm-hmm. anyone who watched the IPF Worlds and the quality of, of, of viewership that is, couldn't picture that in the Olympics. You crazy. Of course we could. It's totally, mm-hmm. I, I watched, I watched the, the, like the 83s, we had like, it was so competitive. You know, 72s women, yes, that could be Olympics. Yes, that could be on ESPN. And people are like, holy shit, that was a hell of a show. So, and, and the Olympic Committee themselves are like, damn. Like you, we slaughtered their Olympic sports. We slaughtered their viewership. You know, we're, we're, we, yes, we are up there. So if there's any things we got to tidy up, it's possible. Um, talking about the powerlifting, the future. What's the future for my man? What's the future for you, Ricky? What can we, ex- what can we look for in terms of the raw nationals and moving forward? What do you anticipate mm. to go down? Let's see. First things first is just prepping myself, priming myself for raw nationals 2020. And the goal here is, like I said in my post, I'm going to look down and see all my friends there on the podium floor than me <laughs> and me at the top, right? Um, and obviously, here's another thing, though. Taylor Atwood, man, I have so much respect for him. He, and like I said, I said he, he's one of those guys that should have came 10 years later, but somehow found the sport like five years ago, Right? He's that strong. He is by far the best lifter in the USAPL and IPF. He's a genetic monster. But, um, you know, keep in mind, two two years ago, he had the same portal as us. And he's a lot older than us. So I'm saying that, you know, that throne is... Nothing to watch out. No, no dynasty lasts forever? Is that what we're looking at? Well, what did you... Yeah, I mean... How do you feel about, though... How do you feel about the fact that he's been flirting with moving to 83? He said it on the podcast, and I talked to the strength guys, his, coach, his coaching staff that helps him out, uh, prepping mm-hmm. him. And they're like, well, I'm not sure if he's going to go 83 or stick around 74. Then I posted a Russell Lowerhe on the King of Lifts, him, his squat, like, I don't know, like 700 million pounds. And I said, you know, everybody should start cutting to 74 or moving up to 93. Because, damn, Russell's moving some major weight. And it, did you see his reply to that? It was like, while other people run away, I'm going to run towards. What do you Yikes. Think? That, okay. That was, okay. That's, that was gang 
a snapshot and threw in our story. And I was like, my man is, look at man, Taylor, yeah, pound for pound is the best lifter in the world. Uh, but that's pound for pound. When he moves up, he needs quality pounds like he's now the same weight as, not just pound for pound, same weight as Russell. He's looking at mm-hmm. these challenges. And that's why, like, man, I respect the shit out of that. But how do you feel, A, do you think it's a good decision? Taylor moves up to 83, or do you think, because I, I feel two ways about it, or do you stay in 74 and be like, let me try to run a dynasty there. There's a lot of young guys coming up. I got competition coming up, and, and there we could get something going. Or, or do you think, you know what, fuck it. Maybe Taylor's like, look, at I've been in 74. I tried to start some rivalries. I think the best way to test myself is 83. Like, how do you feel, A, from his front, and how do you think that impacts you? Because, like, does that mean, how does that mean to you and the rest of the 74th if Taylor leaves? Sorry, give me one sec. Yeah, yeah, Did you, no worries. Can you no still worries. hear me? Yeah, I can still hear you. Okay, so, let's see. That's a, that's a loaded question, man. That is a very loaded question. I think if I had to put myself in Taylor's shoes, yes, it is absolutely the best decision for him to, is to go up to 83 and I know for a fact that, you know, within a year or two, he would be the top dog in A3 over us, over Brett, over anyone. Right? Now, do I do I want him? No, no offense, right? But <laughs> No, but I, well, no, I mean, I don't think, look, it, I already said Russ doesn't take offense to that shit. Uh, he doesn't care no less. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, man, it's. It's possible. He's he's only he's he's like forty kilo off, and he's a fucking weight class below. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not our guarantee, but it's that's by no means a, a stretch. Man, if he moves up a weight class, actually fills it out for sure, he could put forty kilo on his toe. But yeah, mm-hmm. the second part of the question, though, in terms of how that impacts you guys, you know, how you feel about it as a seventy four when the kid So it's. First of all, when he competed at IPF Worlds, definitely he had 10 to 20 more kg in the tank for his total. So uh, with that, he probably comes, you know, within 10 to 20 kg of Russ. And Russ had a absolutely phenomenal day. Yeah. Now, is, am I happy? Hell no, man. I, I wish he would stay, but um, you know what they say in the UFC is that if you really want to be the GOAT, you have to really, um, you know, if you, if you think about, like, if you think about Conor McGregor, Two divisions, right? And they concern the GOAT for that time being. Yeah. Um, if you stay within your niche, within the 74 kg, and you don't really delve outside of it, um, it's the same mindset as being afraid to lose and not having that drive to win. Yeah. And I, if he does go up to 83, I respect him for that, but I'll tell him right now that in two or three years, his 790 kg total is going to be broken. Like, whether it's by me or anyone else, I think the competition right now is so... So insane that I, I can see it being broken within two to three years. Like I said, he, he totaled 700 kg three years ago, yeah. right? And for, for, uh, for us to not think that anyone else could do that within a short amount of time is absolutely insane. You know what? I agree with you on both fronts. Uh, a, records that we think are absolutely mind-boggling at the moment, they always fall in the future. Records, like the longest standing records in powerlifting these days, like if you could hold a, I mean, fuck. Not to bring this up, sorry, Caffey. My man had a record for sixty seconds, <laughs> like and not and <laughs> ah, oh, sorry, I fucking forgot he was beside me. <laughs> oh shit! This is. I'm not, I'm not, buddy. <laughs> but um, 
But records fall so quickly. They, like, if a record stands for six months, you can't complain. That's a long time in powerlifting, the way the progress is moving. So I think even he's like, yeah, fuck it, someone's going to come. But I also agree that, and Taylor has got that champion's mentality, like the belief in himself, just like the talk about the belief in yourself that you need if you're going to be a guy, if you want to be king. He has that belief where it's like, I, okay, I, I did this. And I'm the undisputed king right now. And I can mm-hmm. try to make a dynasty at it. And people, people can respect the dynasty. And, and I think I agree. The young boys coming up are scary. So he could stick around and battle you boys for the next little while. Or he could be like, Russell has so much heat on him. Russell has so much heat on him. And everybody's afraid talking about Russell, like run, run for the hills. Russell's coming. Like he's, he's a big ogre coming into village and he's going to, you know, rape and pillage. And he's like, what if I'm that guy who pulls a sword out and defends the village? He's like, let's let, let me, I'll, I'll, I'll come out. Now that's obviously uh, a little bit exaggerating, but uh, I I respect that. It's, 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 it's it's, fuck me. Nobody does it. it. Like it's, who um, if he can take 74 kilo move up to 83 and take a guy like Russell out Jesus man mm-hmm. you you could be the goat you he's the people say he's the goat right now because he's the the best lifter at the IPF World Championships you get no better than that for for the tested division if he moves up and can pull that off mm-hmm. my man that's a wrap that's a wrap but who Russell's not moving up to 93 he probably could though but well shit maybe he could but you know <laughs> I'll tell you what, the 93s are not competitive. I'm saying that now. Sorry, guys, but it's, it's just not, man. Anyway, let's, let's move on from that. <laughs> well, hey, ah, come on. You know what I'm talking about. I know that there's some top dogs right now in 93, but, you know, it's, you know, it, it, you, got, it, you, got. you think it's too close to the 83s? Here's a problem. The 83s are out squatting the 105s. Like the 80, I don't, it, it's, what the fuck is going on in 83? That's why I think Taylor moving 83, he's an absolute beast. But what are, what, what is going on with the 74s and 83s that this kind of shit's happening? Where people are- Dude, I, yeah, I have no idea. I mean, the human population, the average male weight is probably around 74 to 83 kg. And um, like you said about the records, before uh, CA had that record last year, the one that we were talking about, between uh, him and I in 2019 uh, IPF Worlds. I think Josh Hancock had that record for two to three years. Uh, CA broke it, held it for one year. I broke it. And then next month, the month after that, uh, Austin Perkins ended up breaking my record. Yeah. It went from three years to one year to one month. Yeah. <laughs> really said a lot about how fast our sport is growing, how many genetic beasts are coming out, right? So... And it's, um, and I think you, I've talked about it before, but it's true. If the majority of a population is a particular size, just the average size, male, female, because it's going to happen with the females, with the 72, 63s, um, you know, and, and 57s, very stacked in terms of depth. Yes, we have 84 kilo superstars in Lawrence and Mello, but from one down to 10, it's not as deep and close. Whereas from one down to 10 and 74, or sorry, 72, and uh, 63, it can be super deep. It's because the majority of women walking the earth are, are going to clump into that weight range. So to go to the top of that population, of that talent pool, you have to be exceptional. The bigger you get and the smaller you get, 
you're going to battle out with far fewer people. So the talent pool isn't as deep. And that's just like, that's, that's numbers. You can't argue numbers. It is what it is. With the 93s, do you think like, um, I, it, it's almost like a shifting in terms of momentum. It depends who decides to move into what, doesn't it? It's all like you see in other sports like UFC and boxing too, where like all it takes is a couple because people are abandoning the 93s. Like David Wilson's at, like guys are leaving 93s when the 93s were close. David Wilson's leaving 93. I think someone, Ashton Ruska, is leaving 93. You know, shit's just, yeah, they're going into 105s. Yikes, why? I mean, what? They're so close. Ashton is like two, two pounds over 93. The dude is like barely, he's not nearly, he's not a 105, but he's like. Yeah, was that, do you think that was him just walking in or do you think that was him doing a very severe water cut and then not making it and just having to compete at 105 kg or 100 plus kg? No, we had Rash Ashton on. He walks around at like 210. He walks around at 210 and he, um, and he said, so I'm like, why are you moving to 105 when you are so much smaller than all these other guys will be 105. If they walk around at 231, which is 105 for our European people listening, they're going to be like 25 pounds bigger than you, man. Like, the difference between a 93 and a 105, that's a massive jump. It's a huge jump. And mm-hmm. he's like, and he's kind of saying, he's like, I need, I want competition. And maybe he's looking at it from the way you just said, where it's like, the competition in 93 right now isn't there. In terms of the cluster on top, People are leaving. People are, you know, he just wants to follow competition, so he's going to do it as a really small one of five. As as much as I am a fan of Ashton Ruska, uh, I would be more willing to understand his perspective if he made uh, a little bit more of a statement in the night threes, right? Like to me, right now, that just kind of sounds like you know you're making like a local statement, and then you're moving up. And I wonder if you're going to make a national or a world statement at that point. Hopefully he does. I think he he is very similar to Taylor in that he's a genetic outlier. Yeah. Right? And I really do think that. So, uh, you know, best of luck to him, man. Uh, I think if he does do it, he's going to be very successful. If he goes back to 93, hopefully he can, make, he can be the one that makes it a lot more competitive. But that's the thing, too. I know what you mean. Where it's like, shit, what if you – I get both sides – and exactly what we said, we're like, what if you go in 93 and you become the Russell of 93, win the world in 93 before you leave it? Um, but he's looking at it as, when I look at 105s, everybody's talking about 105s. And 105s has like, you know, if we go into the next world championships, because they're all from different nations, the 105s are going to be stacked at worlds. And um, the world championships is going to be like so tight, too close to call between like top six down. He's like, I want to be in that mix. And, and um, so he's just like, I just want to go in the toughest possible where I think every, where the spotlight's at. I don't want to be in the class. You know, you just said the 93s aren't competitive. It's not looking good this year. Um, like other years it was. This year's not looking as good. He's like, I don't want to be in the class where people aren't excited. So it's kind of like, I get both. I know what you mean. We're like, hit this before you move up. Then you could be a two-division world champion. Not many people do that, especially powerlifting. The divisions are so far apart. But he's telling himself, I don't want to fucking wait, though. Like, that's another year. So, ah, I don't know, man. It's tough. Everyone wants it all at once, right? I think mm-hmm. I would go your route. I think I'd be like, let me hit both because to be a two-division world champion, that's so hard to do in powerlifting because the weight classes are so far apart. 
But young guys, he's a young guy too. You know what? You're probably more mature beyond your years because most people look at the right here, right now. Young guys often, look, I'm 40, my man. I look at the long play. Young guys like, nah, I want it right now. Nah, <laughs> right now. You know? So, yeah, yeah, I definitely. I respect it both though because you, you see everybody looking a certain direction and there's heat there. You're like, let me jump into that party everybody's talking about. It's tough. I mean, if that's what he wants, man, that's what he wants. Yeah, it's true. And then he's young enough, when you're his age, he could go into 105, and if he doesn't like it, he could cut down to, like you said, 93 in a second. Or he could go 105, win it, and then two years later, 93 is so hot, Russell moves in, and like things are, oh, Jesus, Taylor Atwood could fucking be there by in a few years. <laughs> he could be a little chubba muffin. And then... <laughs> he could go in there like a little chubba muffin and be crushing it in 93. Who knows? And um, he's like, you know what? I'm coming back to 93. There's always a changing of tide any given year. Who knows? Um, yeah, you're, lucky, you're, right. you're lucky as shit 74s are what they are because I've seen years where like 74 is not hot. And people, it gets tough when you're like, man, I wish we got that kind of shine. What do you think yeah. right now is the hottest division in power? What's the division that always gets heat? That that people are that you're like, God damn it, man. Oh, 83. Because I think 74 and 83 both get a lot of attention. But um, you know, when it comes to like when it comes to those two divisions, like I said, I, I think 74 is the undisputed, most competitive uh division, you know, in the USAPL. Maybe not in the IPF, but absolutely in the USAPL. And uh, you know, the eighty three has these two superstars, they have Red, they have Russ. So it makes it a lot more interesting. And what makes it a lot less interesting in the 74 is that we have such a monster like Taylor that right now no one's yeah, yeah. able to catch up to him. Yeah. But I can see you, man. If he stays in 74, uh, two or three years, everyone's going to be able to contest him, right? He'll still be a top dog, but he'll have a lot more competition. Yeah. Uh, whereas the 83, I'm not entirely sure where that's going to go. It's still going to be competitive, though, nonetheless. 83 is a flip of coin. It's true, though, with the 83s. I remember, like, Joey Flex is on here, and he's like, fuck, man, you 83s are so pretty. You fucking, like, you you got, like, muscled up. You let guys look like bodybuilders. They're, uh-huh. they're, not, they're not, they're big enough that dudes aren't, like, he's, they're, they're too small. I can't get with that. Like, nobody's going to look at Russell Leonard and say he's small. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he's big enough that way, but he's not too big where he's, he's now he's getting chubby and now he doesn't look aesthetic like some 105s beasts, mm-hmm. but they look a little chubby. So like they're, they're like right in that middle. And for some reason, they're moving, they're shifting some weight. That's just ridiculous. The 83s are like the superstars and people are like, man, fuck this. What is going mm-hmm. on here with these 83s, man? Um, I think 74s historically, like when I first started commentating, in, in uh, like it's, previously, they weren't getting nearly as much because guys walking around like like other athletes. If you're like a 200 pound, like a lot of athletes walking around for like 200 and some odd pound man, and you're looking mm-hmm. at a guy who weighs in, he doesn't walk around at, but he weighs in at 160 something. They're telling themselves too small. If this is a strength sport, I don't want to watch a guy 160 pound shifting weight. And that's a, year, a few years ago. Now the 74s are shifting weight. Like, you pulling 700 is, is like, you guys are squatting 600 because of the weight you're shifting. And now you guys are genetic freaks where you see a 74 kilo. And it's like, no, no, have you seen these cats? My man's five foot nine. These aren't like these little dudes anymore. You guys are beasts. Genetic beasts are showing up. 
Now, all of a sudden, it's starting to stretch, right? We needed the talent pool, and um, now 74s are going to be hot. I think it's no coincidence you guys are all the young guys. I think mm-hmm. the future for 74s, is, it could be like 83s. Um, I don't think that's no coincidence. It's going to, and I think regardless whether Taylor stays or goes, 74's got a bright future. If he stays, it's going to be competitive no less because you guys will catch up and it's going to be nice and lovely. If he goes, well, it just happens sooner. The only problem is, fuck, you guys are all from the same country. <laughs> yeah, bro. I know, right? There, there are some strong guys, though. Uh, one kid from Italy, Ricardo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Well, you messed up my name. You called me Ricardo. Did I? I respected, brother. Come on. Uh, you know what? I'm going to call you Pug Goat next time. Yeah, please, fun to go, man. That's what that's what people call me. But the thing is, no one see you call me by my first name. You call me by Ricky. But um, everyone that I meet, like people that come up to me in the gym, no one knows my name. They they always come up to me and say Pug, right? That that's the name that your mom gave you. <laughs> I be like, you really think that's the name my mom gave me? You think she named me Pug, right? <laughs> I'd be happy with that, but. Um, you know, that's like at that at a certain point, I just let go. I just say, yeah, I'm bug. Nice to meet you. Yeah, bug. How? Where did that come from, by the way? Literally, I like bugs. That it's as simple as that. Are they not a beautiful dog? <laughs> they are the most beautiful dog, man. Dude, I love how fat they are and the way they the way they try, struggle to breathe when they're excited. And they're, yeah. Uh, yeah. I fucking love, I love squishing their fat. Let's just talk about it for a second here. Hold on, hold on. This doesn't sound like a compliment. No, man, this is a compliment. They're beautiful. I love how cute they are. They're so squishy. My buddy had a pug, and um, I tried to walk him one time, and like halfway around the block, I shit you, I was a kid. I was like at like 14, I was babysitting, like dog sitting. Halfway around the block, he's like, man, I'm done. And he just laid down. I'm like, what, what the shit? And he's like, nah. So I was pulling him, and he's dragging on the grass. I'm like, what the fuck now? I literally had to pick him up, scoop him up, and walk. Like, I was holding him the rest of the way like he's like royalty. He's like, walk me walk me home. You're going to walk not, me home. Man, that's, a, that's a pug. A little bit. A little bit. You know what's funny, though? I've, I've never, the only dog I've ever had was a border collie. I've never even had a pug. But you I'll tell you what, though. My next, my next puppy is going to be a pug, so... Yeah. And I think it's so excited. They're so like, uh, yeah, man, I fucking love pugs. I thought, I, that, so that's it. You just love pugs that much, eh? Yeah, yeah, honestly. And at this point, I just don't want to change it. I mean, the goat uh, portion of the name, that's what I shoot. That's my endeavor. That's what I strive to become. And pug, it's just, um, you know, here's another thing. If you have a nickname... It's a lot easier to uh, sort of become an icon. Not saying that I am one, or do I strive to become one, but uh, I think it's a lot easier. Russ Swole. That's a yeah. that's a classic name. Larry Wheels. His last yeah. name you think is Wheels? Yeah, right? you believe it. Biggest place in the world, but listen, I, it, it's it's it's. So I went to school for marketing, right? It's it's branding. Um, yeah. I was on mm-hmm. a I was on a reality TV show, and before I had done that, when I was doing powerlifting and whatnot. I was like six pack lapidat. And then um, when I went on, I was like, Cannon's Got Talent, America's Got Talent. And then, um, so when I went on these shows, they're like, What's your name? And I was like, Six pack lapidat. And they're like, But what's your, what's your real name? It's like, It's Ryan lapidat. And they were debating on the reality TV show whether or not they should call me Six pack lapidat or not. So, and this reality TV show we're on for a full season because they're like, No one else on the show has a nickname. And I was like a full time cast member. It wasn't like a one off. I had to audition and whatever the shit. It was one of those shows. So no one else has a nickname. We're not sure how it works. One guy's a nickname. No one else does. Um, 
none of the other cast members. So I was like, so I went on Canon's Got Talent. Millions of people seen it. Six-pack Lapidat. All the newspapers, six-pack Lapidat. And there's six, let me talk to you, like Martin Short, like these Hollywood people who were the judges just saying six-pack Lapidat. And then we turned around in the reality TV show. And I told the reality TV show exactly what you said. I was like, listen to me. Who the fuck remembers Ryan Lapidat? Ryan Lapidat, I'm a weightlifter as well, which is easy. So Ryan Lapidat, sure, you might remember that. You will not forget six-pack Lapidat, the weightlifter. And if, I right. do, and if I take my shirt off and I got a six-pack, and that's not why I got my name, by the way. But if I do, it's fucking easy. You're not going to forget that. And if I powerlift and I draw a six-pack out of my singlet, this is easy. This is branding. <laughs> it's branding 101. And I said that, and all the TV producers looked at each other, and they're like, your six-pack Lapidat. And that's it. And all the other cast members like, can I be, can I be? And they're like, no. Because it's not organic. <laughs> they're, they're like, no, we're not doing it just for the shit of it. If it actually works organically, mm-hmm. and, and it didn't hurt that Canada's Got Talent and America's Got Talent, like it was America's Got Talent, like the, the reach they have, once everybody knows you as that, you can't undo it. it you're almost working against the grain, like flowing against uh, you know, the stream. But um, it's, it's branding, my man. It's true. If, if you're just like Ryan Smith, good luck. People remembering you sticking out when there's hundreds of powerlifters. But you find your lane and it works. It's, it's real. Find your lane. All right. People will ask you, why did you get that nickname? Or why you? What's this? If, if six-pack Lapidat flows off the tongue. Six-pack Lapidat. It flows off the tongue. Ryan, Ryan do, you be, do you want to be Ryan Lapidat number four on open powerlifting? Or do you want to be you want to be uh, six right. pack or pug, right? No one gives a shit about Ryan. No one gives a shit about Ricky. You hear that, Kaboom? Come on, it's your turn, brother. Pug, pug is a, and I love Pug too. Pug sounds like a boxer to me, or like a fighter yeah. or whatever. But you walk in there like, man, I spunk, man. A little bag of spunk. That's right. So you go in there like, man, I fight for every rep. You know, like I'm a little bulldog out there. Whatever. It works, man. Like, I love it. Um, listen, we had you on for over two hours, and we got an intro and everything. Oh, yeah. Dude, I told you. When people come on and they're like, um, what questions you want to ask? How is this going to go? And I tell them, like, we just flow. We just we just talk. That's I know, man. You weren't kidding, though. You do this so well. I was like, like, right when I came in here at first, I was honestly pretty damn nervous, right? But uh, you did such a good job making this flow. So thank you, no, thank you man. That, that was amazing. No, it, it's it's easier. Like I don't like question and answer. Question and answer. Like it's that's why I don't like interview. Uh, yeah. The term that makes people think he's going to ask me a question and I got to think about it and answer. Don't you, we're just we're just going to flow, man. And it's not going to be I ask one question then you talk for twenty minutes. It's like like the podcasts I listen to are like Joe Rogan and them where they shoot the shit and everyone's talking. He'll talk as much as the person he has on. I, that's, you're going to get two hours like that, though. It's easier. <laughs> if it's question, answer, question, answer, straight up interview style, I'm not going to talk much. You just got to carry everything. You, then you better think about your answers, right? Then you better, like, it's different. But that's not podcast, right? Uh, but people don't know what to expect, and I get it. You're like, ah, fuck, man. Is there an expectation for me to have stories or have certain things? There's no expectation. Don't worry about it. We're going to shoot the shit. And, like, I can talk, like, you know, so we'll just, we fill two hours quick. You're good talking, too, though. I knew uh, you would be. Really? Dude, I knew uh, you would be. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, had a, I had a feeling, uh, judging by your social media. And that's why I'm glad pe- having people on like this. You should have, like, 50,000 followers. You deserve to. If people don't know who you are, 
I like that's why I want to bring you on and and use King of Lifts as a, a venue to let people know fucking follow this kid. Like you know, um, you know, from your personality being funny to like your views on the game to it's entertaining and you can shift some weight. You know, and, mm-hmm. and people I think when people hear you and and whatever like you posted that funny the picture with the owl and they're not sure how to take you. Mm-hmm. Um, when they actually hear you, like, oh man, he's a good fucking guy. He's a dude, just like any of you dudes, just like any of your boys. And he's not like, they might have misconceptions about it. When you come on for two hours straight and we're just flowing and you get to just be you in no other way, people can actually be like, now I'm behind, now I'm behind Pug. Let's, let's see him do, let's see. They start rooting for you. You're like the anti-hero, but like, you know, you don't have to be the all good guy all the time. But they like that about you. And they're like, you know, they see some qualities in that. Yeah, and I appreciate you for having me on. That's that's literally the entire reason that I came on this, right, is to show people that, yeah, you know, I like to mess around. I like to be the villain sometimes, right? You have all these heroes in powerlifting that you look up to, but uh, sometimes you got to have that guy that that's in the dark little corner, like, <laughs> selling drugs, selling heroin, whatever, right? That, that dude that you're, like, a little shady about, but then when you get to know him, you find out that, you know, He's he's cool. He's not bad, right? He's the Joker to Batman. That, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Everybody can't okay, be Batman. Batman. Everybody can't be Batman. You need the Joker. You need Bane. You need them all. And uh, oh, yeah. and also, they might think um, the way you are in a moment in a post doesn't encapsulate the way you are twenty four seven. People are far yes, more sir. people are far more complex than that. You know, people that's not people don't pigeonhole. You could be the same dude busting somebody's chops. Be the same dude in the in the lineup for the weigh in uh, with Michael shooting his shit, whatever. And you don't. And it doesn't mean you're going to be an asshole to people in real life. You bust mm-hmm. the chops. That's not you. You're not like you know what I mean. Like it's important for people to know that too. Because some people walk away from a post and think they got you all. They know guys just like you. I know him. It's like no, you don't, man. This is a good dude. He's having fun. Relax. You know, and it's good for people to know too, right? Like there's room for everybody. Now, um, and so I'm glad to have, like, and fucking, that's how, there's another reason. People are going to care when they tune in, when they actually know people, and they actually like people, and they cheer. Or they don't like somebody, and he wants them to lose. That's good. Mm-hmm. Care. Yeah, right, both care. sides, man. Make me care. But if I don't know nobody, and I'm watching, it's like, it's tougher. It's a lot mm-hmm. tougher if I don't have an invested interest. All the booze, all the cheers, it's all noise, man. And that's, that's what we look for. Yeah, I got news for anybody. The people who say they love you don't really love you because they don't know you. That's not love. People who say they hate you don't really hate you. It's not real. So don't worry about it. It's all noise. Just get the noise going. Don't take it to heart. Either which way. Don't get too big-headed. Everyone loves you. Don't feel down when they say they hate you. It's all noise. As long as there's noise going on, you did your job. Go back home. Be like, all right, fuck it. That was fun. You know what I mean? That's kind of the way you do it. But um, So for anyone listening, if they want to follow you, um, how did they do so on all the different platforms? You guys can follow me at at Hug the Go on Instagram. I coach, although I'm not looking for any new clients right now, but you guys can just keep updated via that. Uh, if I can give my thanks, um, first things first, KOT, Kapui, you guys have been amazing. I want to thank, you know, Train True and Shop Gym. Those two gyms have been by my side for quite some time, and I appreciate them so much. My girlfriend, of course, has been my rock since day one. And uh, last but not least, just one small message to all the other 74 kids you guys out there. You know, Kevin, Zach, 
Uh, Lil Mike. Lil Mike, obviously. Gage. I respect you guys. You guys are amazing, and I consider you all my friend, but I look forward to beating you all. <laughs> there can only be one. There can only be one. Um, I'm glad you threw thanks out there because I was asked that. One last question before we let you go, my man. When all is said and done, and your powerlifting career is over, you're an old man having beers at the bar, talking about your career, and you look back, how do you want to be remembered? The goat. That's it. The goat. The name says it all. Bug the goat. Living up to the handle. Listen, thank you for coming on, my man. That was the fastest two hours, ten minutes we ever did. Uh, well done. Hey. We're, we're going to have you back on, if you don't mind. Oh, 100%. Man. 100%. Uh, good. Um, good luck in training. Keep us in the loop. We'll be posting and letting everybody know. And, uh, yeah, man, stay healthy. We'll see you at Raw Nationals. Thank you, guys. Appreciate the opportunity. See you. See you, Whoa, wait, that was, dude, that, that flew, what are you thinking, sir? That was a quick two, two hours right there. Quick two hours. Um, yeah, that was an easy flow. I knew it would be because, uh, I, so that's the thing. I'm glad we have him on because, like I was saying, in terms of like when my man posts and he's shit talking a little bit, mm-hmm. you don't know where, where it's coming from. And sometimes you bring your own history and project onto people. If you ever had a guy in your life did a little bullying, some shit talking, it's coming from a bad place, high school, whatever, you go online and see this dude talking like that, you could easily project these traits on a guy you don't know. Oh, for sure. And tell yourself you know. Yeah, like for him, as you said, it's more just motivation for himself, adding more excitement to a sport, getting people interested. The dude's got smiling ear to ear when he says it. Yeah. Like the dude is, he's just having fun. Exactly. He's he's a 23-year-old kid having fun. You know, and and just and that's it. He's like not no coming hard from a, feelings. Nah, he's not even from a. It's not coming from a negative place. Um, and the shit's actually like funny. Mm-hmm. Like he's. It's not everybody has the humor to pull that off. Whereas like his posts and stuff, like he's just trying to be quirky and like a, like a comedian where, where he, he's going in like that. And but I he, love how there's no fear either. It's like you know he took the silver medal, which is still amazing that world. And he's I like, I want to come back and do better. Like I'm yeah, that's say it. The same. That's who I am. And that's what you have to do. Look at a silver medal of worlds. Who the hell would ever be disappointed with a silver? Exactly. Like you, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's um like that's absolutely crazy. Um and yeah, you can hype it up and. Uh, it's almost like this is the toughest part is where how do I raise the heat level in that room by all the comments I make while at the same time not worrying about what they're going to do and just focus on myself because that's the easiest way to relieve pressure mm-hmm. and anxiety. Focus on yourself. But yet I'm saying all this shit. How do I – about these guys. How do I still remain focused on myself? And I'm bringing heat on myself, comparing myself to these guys – but once I'm done doing it, I actually go home and I don't right. compare myself to these guys. It's a very hard balance. If you could do that, you you could you could toe the line and end up being okay. But if, if that's where I think it depends on the person. Like for 100%. someone like him, it's just natural. It's He's natural. Like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna call these guys out as motivation myself. Like when he tagged me his Instagram post. Yeah, <laughs> and it's um. Here's the thing: we don't all have to be uh, pug the gun. No, no, you don't have to. Um, I'm fine with just be you. You be you. As a matter of fact, it would be too much if they were if they were all like that. It oh, would, exactly. It'd be, it'd be over the top. Too much. And um, you don't even have to be Russell, where you're uber confident, and Brett, where you're uber confident. I'm I'm number one in the world. Blah blah blah. And I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to be number one before I even am number one. I'm not going to attack nobody else, but I'm just going to tell you I think I'm number one. 
You don't even have to be that it's guy. It's better if your natural person, personality You, you don't even have to be that guy because yeah. that's overwhelming. Right. Because you roll your eyes and be like, yeah, yeah, everyone says they're number one. You don't even have to all be that. You just you just be you. I actually, I even, get, there's room enough for someone who's just a humble, holy shit, I'm as shocked as you I pulled that off. Like, you know, there's something genuine about that. Mm-hmm. There's something courageous about um, someone who has fear and anxiety and has to master their fear and walk in there and then all of a sudden the sun shines on them that day and they pull off a massive upset. Like there's, man, there's room for everybody. You do you. And um, that's why I like having everybody on the podcast so you... You see the barometer from one to the other, left all the way to right, 100%. and everyone on the spectrum. And then, um, and yeah, push them forward. And then you identify who do you want to cheer for. Exactly. Are you like Michael C., who um, he's like more reserved, conservative? Reserved, the humble guy. Humble Just dude. want to go and hit his numbers. Is that you? Is that who you identify? Is that who you want to cheer? We got you covered. You're going to love Michael. Let me have him on the podcast. Hear him out. Or you, do you like the funny guy who's brash, out there, outlandish? We got your man. His name's, you know, Ricky Cho, Pug the Goat. Let him come on. We have, like, what, do you like the stoic type who doesn't say much? Like, we have it across. Um, we, we need we, all the personalities to keep growing this for it. 100%. We got it. And I, that's why I like having these, these people on here. And just you be you. And the worst is when somebody tries to force it. And, uh, you can tell. You can tell. Uh, it's not it's, you know what? I think some people come on here and think, they have to put on a show. Yes. Like, and it makes... I have eyes on me. If I don't perform, then I'm going to let people down. Or me down. Sometimes they think, I know you like... Like, I know you like a show. I know you like a little bit of this. I could tell on the King of Lifts, you guys like building tension and hype. But when people come on here... Here's another thing I hate. Like, I got to keep throwing out there. The older you get, the more you recognize that someone's being genuine or not genuine. Mm. And if you ever feel like you're not clicking with someone, it's because you're not just relaxed with yourself and being mm-hmm. yourself. It, it makes it awkward when you start talking weird and you're not being yourself. Right. And I can't, it's harder for me to have a back and forth flow. That's when you get a slow two hours. <laughs> it becomes, we got an hour. And you think you're giving me what I want when in reality, it's tough because I can't have a flow with you because I can tell you're putting on a show and shit. My man, that man, that's why Ricky, I could tell that was no show. He's just being honest. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, what it is. Just be you, man. Like, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. And I think I was, I wasn't, I think the older I got, the more comfortable I was. Just me being me and it is what it is. And it's easy to talk to people. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. But you only get that with experience. But, um, but anyways, yeah, there's a little advice. If you ever think about coming on, don't worry about it. Relax, do your thing. Six pack, got you. Yeah, I got you. And uh, and depending on who the co-host is, could be Caffrey, could be uh, Robbie, could be Paul, could be Randy, could be God knows who. But um, but anyways, please give guys like Ricky and everybody we have on here, you know, they're just do post it in your Instagram stories. Give us high ratings because these guys deserve some exposure, not just for them, but for the sport as a whole. Because this is how we are all going to grow if people give a shit. About, about the competitors. People hear these stories. You start getting emotionally attached. You know, this is how the sport grows. So please push this into your Instagram stories. We will repost it and comment and like and tell your friends about it the whole nine. Um, we've been taking up enough time. So from Six Pack Lapidat. Cathy Fitness. Till next time. Peace.